This show is brought to you by Nice Mug. Nice Mug is the only mug made entirely out of ice. For more information, go to nicemug.com and enter the coupon code SAUNA for 10% off your entire purchase. Well, hey everybody, it's Glenn with Sauna Times, and welcome to another installment of Sauna Talk, the podcast that is most oftentimes recorded on the sauna bench. Uh, certainly about sauna and all of the goodness that comes from the authentic sauna experience. Uh, and this episode is, uh, is dedicated to everybody listening who has built their own sauna. Um, the tie-in with this episode, believe it or not, I'm going to make the tie-in, is the DIY ethos, the idea of uh, creating, creating and building your own thing. And uh, it's what better example of it than uh, sauna? Like, uh, you're, you know, sauna is an interesting thing and in that you could call up 10 building contractors and say, I want a sauna. And I'm pretty much guaranteed that all 10 are going to be afraid uh, to do it. So the obstacle becomes the way. The obstacle of finding someone to build a sauna for you becomes the way for you to build your own sauna. So, hey, we don't always have the time. We get it. We often don't have that innate passion to want to get out the hammer and nails and the building aspect. Hey, we get that. We understand. And that's okay because uh, there are other ways. The DIY sauna ebook is a gateway drug for people to embrace the concept of building their own sauna. And it's an attitude more than anything. I'm not asking listeners to go build their own. Uh, if it's not in your wheelhouse, you don't have the time, the money, the drive, what have you, but it's a starting point. So this is the dedication I want to give. I know there's a lot of people that have built their own saunas. I've helped many hundreds now build their own saunas through the DIY ebook, and nothing gives me greater joy than when I turn on my email in the morning and I get uh, <clears throat> an email from you know, someone out in Vancouver saying, hey, Glenn, uh, I got a question about, you know, flashing the uh, stove and the, the vapor barrier and whatever. I, I take great joy, joy in that. It helps me improve the ebook, and, uh, you know, it makes for a better product. And we're building a community. We're building a community of people that understand the health and wellness benefits to sauna and are creating their own backyard retreats. And you'll hear that referenced in this sauna talk. So that was a way left turn. But the reason for the dedication <clears throat> is I'm super excited to bring you Scott Olson. And I'm telling you, when I was thinking about doing this podcast, he was like way up on my list. As a, as a guy that I would love to interview and have on Sauna Talk. And the main reason is because of the DIY ethos. I've been out to Scott's farm. I've seen what he does out there, the creator. Okay, he, he cut his teeth with rollerblade. He brought rollerblade to the world. Everybody knows that product. It's like the guy who invented Kleenex. I mean, here's a ubiquitous product that came from his mind through his hands to millions and millions of people. And I met Scott on the sauna bench. On, uh, I had a mobile sauna that I built about a dozen years ago. It had to be, uh, let's see, 2016, 
So about year, year maybe 2002, three, four, somewhere in there, about 15 years ago, um, Scott uh, donated his time as part of a fundraiser. And uh, I got the mobile sauna up at uh, a lake in Maple Grove, Minnesota, as part of the fundraiser. And I, there I was sitting on the bench with a guy, and I'm like, wow, this is a good conversation. You know, we're jumping through a hole in the ice and, uh, you know, having a good time, just talking about nothing and everything. And uh, finally, uh, he takes off with his dog, and someone turned to me and he goes, you know who that guy was? And I go, no, who? And he goes, oh, that was Scott Olson, the inventor of Rollerblade. And I'm like, damn. I said, you know. I've always wanted to meet that guy, and sure enough, I did. And uh, anyway, Scott uh, found me uh, through through my sauna, through the mobile sauna. He showed up at the Lopet Cross Country Ski Festival at the finish line. Um, he would track me down when I'd have my mobile sauna at different events, and we'd always have a great time. So anyhow, when I was thinking about this uh, uh, podcast, Sauna Talk, I really wanted to get Scott on the bench, and I'm super excited to bring him and our conversation to you guys. I hope you stay with us, and I hope you have as much fun listening to this as I, as I did producing it for you guys. There is so much in here. If you have a little entrepreneurial side to you, I hope you enjoy so many of these uh, great little tidbits of information that Scott shares with us about innovation and and the idea of taking something uh, to market. Um, these these amazing little uh, little little tidbits uh, really meant something to me. You'll hear about Scott's other projects that he's working on, including Skyride and Rowbike. Uh, you'll hear about the correlation with uh, health and wellness and this common bond that we have about uh, uh, treating your body well and recreation and how it does tie in with sauna. So I could go on and on. Uh, there's a lot in here, as I mentioned, and I hope you stay with us, as I mentioned, too. Um, this is uh, a, a real joy uh, for me to bring you Scott Olson, inventor, a guy that lives full and a guy who's not afraid to live. So this isn't live then. We're, we're it, live and direct. We're live? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, well. It's going to be live. No, no, not live. Sorry, Scott. No, 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 this isn't live. I'm recording. I'm recording. But we will, like, produce a show. But not, this is not live. Sorry about that. But you don't care. You're no stranger to a microphone, are you, Scott? No, no. It's great to be just behind a mic because I'm having a hell of a bad hair day today. Right on. Well, this is the great thing about sauna. And, you know, I have to tell listeners that it's a it's a misty, cool, late October day here in Minneapolis. And, uh, and true to form, Scott Olson uh, arrived not in a motorized vehicle. But, Scotty, tell us, tell the listeners uh, what, what you arrived to uh, uh, my sauna in uh, what vehicle? Well, I had a few options tonight, but with the wet pavement and all the leaves on the bike path, I decided to take the row bike, the R-O-W-B-I-K-E, one of my favorite, very favorite inventions. Right on. And who invented the row bike? Uh, you're looking at him. Is <laughs> Myself. It was my idea. I, I've had a lot of people help me get it to the market a lot of different engineers and uh you know it's been out there for oh 25 years now yeah maybe 20 right uh, yeah 25 years that we've been 
uh, making them, uh, improving them, uh, selling them, and just really enjoying it. It's really a fantastic workout, and it's great to be out moving in the, uh, especially around the city lakes. We're out the, uh, you know, motorized trails and just on the bike trail right on right on and the thing about a road bike is you can conform to the bike trail system and here in minneapolis i mean we here are very fortunate in that minneapolis is probably if not the top it's certainly top two or three ranks right up there in terms of urban biking and so you're able to just jive right into that program right scotty oh yeah yeah no it's a it's a great place to live uh and you know we bike all year round and uh as much as i love skiing uh i i love biking and obviously i love blading and uh so uh my first choice is probably the road bike then blading then skiing but uh with the wet pavement and all the leaves it's got to stay out the blades for a little while yet right on right on and uh and that's let's Let's go back into that. I mean, you know, I suppose if you were to Google Scott Olson and that, what you're going to find is rollerblade. And the thing about, uh, I got to tell you my rollerblade story that I don't think I've ever told you. No, so, it, in the, right on, <laughs> I know you do. So, Scott's got this big smile on his face. He's taking his shoes off. We're getting ready to sauna. We're going to bring the mic in the hot room so you guys won't miss a beat here. But, so, so when rollerblade was coming out, like, like in the rise, like, give me the years that you were talking. And I, I I have a hunch early 80s in that right like like what is the the pinnacle years from when you were prototyping to when you brought it to market and when things were starting to to, to really like you know forest fire in terms of growth what what years are we talking scotty well it goes back uh, 1979 i was pretty much right out of high school and uh i got wind uh, of the idea i really don't take i'll set the story straight here <laughs> Uh, once again, which I like to do all the time. Because right. And I know where you're going to go, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is a, I have to interrupt you. This is why I love Minnesota, right? Because people are honest, and there's integrity. And the thing is, is like Ray Kroc, right? You know, he didn't invent the hamburger in McDonald's. He was the guy that franchised it and brought it forward. Right on? So you see where I'm going, and I didn't mean to steal the mic, but but this is what I love about Scott Olson. He's going to set the record straight about Rollerblade right here. Well, yeah, I was the guy that came up with the uh, Rollerblade company. The, the inline skate, the generic term inline skates, they were invented before roller skates. A lot of people find that hard to believe, but uh, it actually originated from ice skating, which was the very first form of skating, and that dates back to probably the 1600s uh but uh so the inline came out right after as the first roller skate but uh the technology back in those days it was either steel or wooden wheels and uh in order to ice skate you have to be able to hold an edge uh and just like inline skating rollerblading you got to have a soft wheel to hold the edge so you can push and stride so uh when that wasn't able to happen that's when they introduced the uh the quad which I've always called the goofy skates, um, and uh, and that's what became popular. And then uh, over the years, a lot of different people tried to come up with the inline idea because it was such a cool idea, but nobody was really able to make it happen until um, I really came around, and uh, a lot of it had to do with uh, me being in the right place at the right time, and uh, the, uh, the environment was really... Uh, the right time because of the uh, hockey. It really started because of hockey players in Minnesota. 
uh, is really a hockey capital of the world. Yes, right, so, right. So here we had uh, wonderful ice, outdoor ice, and uh, a, a massive community of folks uh, into hockey. <clears throat> and then what do we do in the off season, right, Scott? Well, that was just it. Um, you know, we were trying to break it, break, you know, before I got going and uh, on the rollerblades in 79, I was living in Canada pursuing a, a goaltending hockey career and uh you know really working hard at that but realizing the the politics involved because really the whole nhl was really being run by canadians yeah. it was dominated by canadians and it wasn't until uh really the 80 olympics uh which was in my era um in fact i tried out for the olympic team but uh, the uh that's what really got uh, the Americans really going and getting into the NHL. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, winning those Olympics was a tipping point in that those players uh, were were like basically thrust into the NHL because they were not to be denied. Well, they, yeah. Any coach that knew anything were looking at these guys like what Langevin and you know all of the all of the heroes. You know, Jim Craig got a contract as goalie and all that. And any NHL coach would be a moron not to look at these these guys as uh, as prospects. And they got NHL contracts right away, and that, that plowed the way for a lot of Americans at that point, didn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I get goosebumps uh, thinking about that uh, 80 Olympic team. We all do. We yeah. all do. The miracle on ice. Yeah, was- I remember that. If I could just interject, I was living in my hometown of Buffalo, New York, and, you know, <clears throat> this, the, the movie really captures it well about the spirit of the time, our country, uh, oil embargo, hostages we were shat on around the world you know and it was a cold dark winter and that olympic really that olympic moment and those young kids where they all jump up on the podium collecting the medal i mean that was a real binding moment for our country and goosebumps is a great word oh yeah yeah that was that was something to see those young kids they were just kids out of high school beating pros that were like in the army train russian army training for you know training as well as anybody and in the odds of 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 uh our minnesotan our coach to to mobilize these kids is just it was a miracle yeah well that uh my buddy herbie brooks uh you know he put it all together you know he was the man he was the leader and he had those guys going and he had them all believing you know, so, so right. So back to rollerblade. Another that was another input. I mean, hockey in 1980 was massive in our state of Minnesota and all of North America. And I think that that maybe could have helped, actually even helped. There was some fuel in the fire about the sport of hockey, uh, the conditioning, um, and 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 rollerblade. <clears throat> well, that was it. Uh, the kids all wanted to get better. They all wanted to make the NHL, and I happened to lay these blades out in front of them. I actually put them on their skates for them yeah. and uh, told them uh, to skate on them, and, uh, you know, it's going to help their skating. Right and then uh, the coaches got behind it, but it was really the uh, the uh, really the really hockey guys that really got it jump-started. And then it expanded into, you know, more of a recreational right. skate because it really is the only way to street skate. Yes. You know, they really yes. they go over everything. They're really safe. They're not like quads, you know, where you're you're going to be hitting rocks. But so it really became a the way to get around town and. Uh, and you could go fast. 
You could go fast and be safe. Be fast and be safe. So, <clears throat> as we're, you know, we, we, I promised to tell you my story that I never told you in all our times together. And so, you know, I, there I was in Buffalo, New York, 1981, graduate from high school, go to Ithaca College, upstate New York, 1983, go study in London. And there I am overseas and exposed. You know, we talked about reggae and music and exposed to all this great British music and culture. And I just found, you know, back, the world is small now, but like the world is one. I mean, you know, the internet and all that, you know, there is no real innovation that can happen somewhere where you don't see it across a big pond because of the internet and stuff. But back then, to yeah. my story, I bring a pair of rollerblades uh -huh. over to England in 1983, and it stop traffic i mean it stopped people walking it stopped people driving it was like and and i heard about this guy in minnesota this is one of the reasons i mean there were all these weird inputs of how i ended up in minnesota and one of them was yeah yeah this is a guy from minnesota and i go man i'd love to know this guy from minnesota and i had this inkling i mean i was a young kid i was stupid i was studying business and and i, I had a few ideas i'm i'm in the food business and i wanted to so i had a, i built a hot dog stand in london you know like and then i want to bring pretzels like those hot pretzels you get at the hockey games I wanted to bring those to pubs in England. So I was one of those guys spinning with ideas, but couldn't get the needle in the in the groove of the record. And, and one of the songs I wanted to play was to find you and to try to bring rollerblades to Europe at that time. Oh, so, yeah. so if you remember, if you could just humor me, like back to 1983, was there an international presence at all with rollerblade? No, I think if you would have given me a call, you probably could have got the rights to Europe. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me. Can you imagine our relationship today had I made that phone call and I would have found you back then? I mean, it would have been pretty cool. Well, that's how I got it going because, you know, a lot of the, I first, uh, you know, when I first started peddling them, I went to all the hockey stores in town thinking we're going to sell them to all the hockey stores and they all laughed at it. And uh, so I had to change my sales approach like overnight or I wasn't going to make any sales. And I, that's when I went direct. Yeah. And then the tell, tell me about direct in that w world. I mean, when you say direct today, it's a piece of cake with the Internet. What was direct like for Rollerblade back then? Well, it uh, it was really getting the hockey, uh, going to the hockey players and then uh, finding the uh, the entrepreneurs within the hockey players and a lot of athletes seem to have that entrepreneurial yeah. spirit yeah. and uh, so they were just popping out of the woodworks and they were all like you know every little town I went to um, there'd be another guy that uh, wanted to sell them because they, they you fall in love with them that's it so a, a user became a sales agent yes exactly and then uh, that's what really uh, helped me really get it uh, to where where it is today. It was those people. And then I had guys, I bet you had three of my really good buddies that were really non-hockey guys. You know, the first few years, all the way up to probably 83, uh, were mainly hockey guys. And then cross-country skiers were starting to get into them. Bill Koch, uh, the guy that invented skate skiing, uh, he used to buy them from me, and uh, and he sold a bunch of them, and then more skiers started selling them. So, yeah. so, so Bill, in his day, he's the he's the front runner, the, the inventor of the skate ski style. Yeah. Is he a Minnesotan, or where's Bill from? No, he's from out east. Bill Koch, uh, I'm not exactly sure where he was from, Um it's been so long. I'd sure love to run into him. Yeah. Um, in fact, I saw a really cool poster of him a few, few years ago up at Gear West, a big cross-country ski uh, shop in uh, Arnold. 
or Long Lake is uh, Bill Koch is skiing on a wet, sandy beach in Hawaii. Yeah, and it was like you looked at that and you go, that's got to be made up, you know, yeah. but he actually did it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so anyhow. And, and, and yes, not to interrupt you, but he, so what Bill recognized is the, is the, uh, <clears throat> is the conditioning aspect, aspect, the overlap of skate skiing as it re- relates to skating, and then this conditioning element where you can do it on pavement. Is that about right? Yeah. Yeah, well, he was, you know, he, he uh, totally revolutionized skiing. Because uh, before he was doing, uh, it was basically classic, like everybody had done That's up it. until then. Yeah. And then now here Bill comes up with this method of skate skiing, and he's, he's winning races. He's beating the Swedes, the Norwegians. Yeah. About what year was that, not to put you on the spot? You got a clue about uh, when I that could have been? He, he probably started that uh, that craze in 81 yeah. 82 yeah so again there's another input i mean when you think about that those couple of years specifically as it relates to you and your life in pioneering rollerblade you know you had the olympics uh, hockey team winning the gold medal yeah. you have bill now with this with this alternative style and you have the skiing element you have minnesotan and and this this uh, ice hockey capital and then in branching in, into these towns in Canada, a very logical progression through the pro skaters yeah. as your early adopters and, and opinion leaders and all that noise. And, and, then, and then the beautiful thing is uh, recreation, you know? I mean, just like when I think about Minnesota, so one more story for me in this now. So I, there I am over in Europe and stuff, and my buddy and I, uh, it was 1985, 86. <clears throat> my buddy and I remember drive-away cars. Do you ever remember that? Where there, this was a deal where you could, um, there were companies that would, uh, um, they would take in vehicles that needed to be moved, private vehicles, and you you would go into this little shop and then say, well, what do you got? And you look on the board, and there are these cars in L.A. because it's such a transient area that's where I, I was living right after college anyway you look on the board and i see a car that needs to be driven to rochester new york uh-huh. yeah so i i uh i had my buddy from buffalo come out and we did this uh, road trip across country and it was uh about it was june it was about five in the morning and my buddy was pass. you know he was crashed in the drive in the passenger seat i'm driving and I'm looking at the map, and I got—I all of a sudden got really depressed because I'm looking at the map as I'm driving. I'm like, Des Moines, okay, what's next? Chicago, Detroit, Cleveland, Buffalo, all these like industrial Rust Belt towns back to my town. I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And it was almost like these angels spoke from above at 5 in the morning in the car when I'm looking at the map. Minnesota, Canada. And I go, what a great way. I said, so literally there's 35 north and i'm like i made that decision really? like right at a flash yeah. right at a flash really? my friend never woke up we're in like <laughs> albert lee and he wakes up and he goes well are we in chicago yet and i go no man change of plans <laughs> so the point is is the car the car um uh we parked it right at lake calhoun there's an apartment building there now and i'm looking at the map and i'm just doing this by look and i go look at there are these lakes right in minneapolis we got to go check these out and uh it was a june morning i oh, guess wow. maybe it was about 10 a.m sunny gorgeous yeah. and we parked the car and you know how it is scotty on road trips when your glasses are sliding down your nose and you got like this oil thin layer around you so we just stripped down to our boxer shorts and i'm doing the backstroke in the middle of lake calhoun 
looking at the skyline and around the shoreline i see bikers and bladers and runners in a uh, healthy town and i fell in love i fell in love with minneapolis that was your first time seeing minneapolis first time now. seeing it and the car broke down in a very like ser serendipitous way the car broke down we were stranded in minneapolis for four days i stayed with my buddy brad who i went to college with uh -huh. and uh living here? he was living here he i called him up there was a payphone. Really? now listen i could make this story really crazy and i'm not sure if listeners are going to follow this <laughs> or if they want me to <laughs> if they don't but kurt hansen falls into this story oh, no. so we swam in lake calhoun my my buffalo buddy john and i yeah. we're digging ourselves and and all that and then so we dry off and we walk up to lake in hennepin <clears throat> because the car wouldn't start so we got we got to find a, a payphone. So we walk up to Lake and Hammond and walk into the Uptown Bar. And as a joke, I say to the bartender, "Have the replacements ever played here?" And the bartender says, "Yeah, those are my boys. They're in that band." Oh really? Yeah, yeah. It was Bobby and Tommy Stinson's mom who was the bartender there. Uh -huh. Okay. And I'm looking at this stage. One of my favorite bands. Another Minneapolis input. Yeah. And I and I'm like looking at this stage. I mean, like a, I'm, I was a kid, and I was just like. Look, touching the stage thinking how cool it was one of my favorite bands in the world is playing there now the weird thing is is kurt hansen and his buddy were in that bar and 15 years later kurt told me that story and it was me i never met him but he overheard these two guys from buffalo new york stranded in uptown bar Story. It's a whack story, but yeah. sorry, sorry, listeners. Well, this is this is sauna talk, though. You can oh, get crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that was a great story, but uh, yeah, I don't you. Uh, I don't know where we, where we left off. Well, I was um, impressed about rollerblades at Lake Calhoun. I mean, you know, this was like the number one market, and to see how ubiquitous ubiquitous it was in 1985-86, you know, it was another input. Well, you know, I've I've heard many stories where people actually moved to Minneapolis just so they could blade here. <laughs> That's an even better one. Yeah. yeah. Let's say I moved for the rollerblades. Yeah. Well, there has been people that have moved here for blading. Yeah, I, I mean, love it. A lot of people have moved here just because it's a great place to raise a family. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a great reason to, to move to Minneapolis, uh, but to come here because you love blading so much. But, um, yeah, there's all there's been so many great stories of the blades that it's always fun to hear other people's stories and yeah. and uh, because it really has had a, a big impact on a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's that's just a, cool. that is pretty cool. And, you know, you're a humble guy, and it's one of the reasons why I love you, man. I mean, it's it's just it's not the first thing to come out of your mouth. You have to really, and you're very gracious to speak about it. It's a very personal thing, and you you deserve all the accolade and pride that you have, but you don't go seek it, which is a really remarkably awesome thing about you. Well, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't like to live in the past, and I, I, often I got to remind a lot of my friends when we're out and about, and they they like to get carried away and like say, you know, he's the rollerblade guy, you know, and it's like, yeah. no, don't bring that up. I don't want people to judge me. That's right. I know. I know. I mean, I have a small little. I mean, I invented Killebrew root beer, but I don't go tooting my horn on that thing, you know. Uh, well, you I mean, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm I'm in the food and beverage business, and. Uh, uh, it's a it's a crazy story, but <clears throat> I uh, I did, and you know I'm not hooked in with them anymore. Just like you're not hooked in with rollerblade anymore. But you know you talk about that, and one of, one of my expressions is you know like they make cars with windshields bigger than rearview mirrors for a reason, 
And those folks that are constantly looking in the rearview mirrors and looking at the past, you know, I think really lose sight of the, the beauty and the wonder uh, that's in front of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's well put. Very well put. Yeah, I've learned that, uh, you know, at a very young age, you know, and uh, I don't really, really even look ahead. I'm very, been very lucky to live that way. Yeah. A lot of people can't. So that's been one of the highlights of, of being uh, an inventor and, and making some money to be able to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that is to invent, innovate. Uh, I love doing it. And uh um, one of these days I'm going to just stop and watch the birds fly, but yeah. I've got some great ideas I've been working on and, uh, it's just kind of in my blood, but, yeah. um, the blood, the blades gave me a, you know, a really good, uh, start and, uh, um, I like to, uh, you know, keep it rolling. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And to keep it, keep it moving down the road and in, in the future. And there's so many, you know, you, you think, oh, well, you know, the computer, right. You know, where can it go next? You know, all the, you know, we got e-commerce. It's all been invented. It's just staggering, staggering to think about where we've come in terms of, say, like innovation with the computer and and where it's going to bring us. And it's the same like like in, in your niche, you know, like what, what I love about the things that you you dabble in and what you've invented is there is like some wonderful continuity to it. And, you know, I would, I mean, you tell me, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but recreation is a term that comes to mind. Do you like do you like pale ales and stuff i'm more of a furious guy yeah okay well if you like furious how about a saga oh okay cool yeah yeah i know you're gonna hold that you like what i like um yeah you know you want a a saga yeah if that's close to furious otherwise i really don't drink beer uh okay so i'll have that one i'll try that one okay and then they got a canadian that's that's a good looking brand yeah yeah we we uh we support most in canadian you know so i I wrote this ebook on how to build your own sound and it's been really rewarding for me to work with uh it's to help people you know build their own backyard retreats their own authentic saunas and stuff and uh, i work with a lot of canadians you know like um it's a wonderful sauna climate and uh you know minnesota is like almost canada you know, yeah. we joke about that. You know, Minnesota is like almost a Canadian state. So, yeah. So, you know, I love hockey. I love the topography of Canada. I think you're in the same boat. So having a Molson Canadian around is not, not a bad bad deal. Oh, yeah. It's, one of the things that amazed me when I lived in Canada was, uh, you know, you had to be sitting at the table in order to have a beer. And you could not go to the table five feet away from you to talk to somebody with your beer. Was yeah. That right? yeah, you always had to stay at the table with your beer. Now, if you wanted to go across the room to uh, visit with somebody, you had to leave it, and the bar t- or the waitress would grab your beer and bring it over to you. So I wonder what's up with that. Is that a holdover from England or some sort of a, uh, you know, like like formal thing? Or what do you think? Stupidest thing. <laughs> it, was <so> stupid. <laughs> it was so stupid. But uh, hopefully they've changed that. It was. Yeah. Uh, Changed. Yeah, right on. I've been back there in a while, but uh, uh, that was up in Manitoba where, where I was playing hockey and yeah. out in the middle of middle of the plains, and um, it was a yeah. So that was one of the things I, I remember about uh, Canada. That and everybody seemed to be smoking cigarettes up yes, there. Yes, a lot of cigarette smoking. Yeah. I yeah. know it's a crazy deal. And you know, <clears throat> you know, I'll let you get ready for sauna. Let's we'll bring this in in the hot room. But I'll, uh, as as uh, and I don't mean to be talking all this all this way. Well, but grab my yeah. Suit right out here. 
Yeah. Okay. So I'll tell the listeners a quick story about cigarette smoking, and I I know Scotty will relate to this, but you know, growing up in Buffalo, New York, the Buffalo Sabers were my team, and uh, they they came into for into the NHL in '71, maybe, and. Uh-huh. And uh, so I was like 10 years old, and so I started following the Sabres and stuff. And and back then, in terms of cigarette smoking, it was not unreasonable for the players to to light up a steamer between periods, especially these French Canadians, right? Did you experience any of that? Yeah, yeah. That blew me away when I saw that happen. (laughs) I know. I know you think of that. Gump Wardley would have a smoke between periods. He probably had to, being a goalie and not wearing a goalie mask. Yeah, he was a nervous critter. wasn't Wasn't also he the was Gump the one that just could not get do away games? He he would get too nervous, and they they he would have actually only be able to um, play home games. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me. I I think he was. Uh, I don't think he really liked flying either. That's right. I yeah, think that's I what think that was. Yeah. Stay home or you take a train if he had to go away. Yeah, that's right. He would be good on, like, Chicago. He could go play at the Chicago games. But, yeah. shit, if you had to go out and play the California Golden Seals, I think he'd stay home on, on that one. I mean, can you imagine playing goalie without a goalie mask? It's <laughs> a nervous thing. Well, well, okay, so so uh, is there – could it back to innovation and stuff, and, and is there a commonality to your inventions in that they are recreational based? Would you say? Yeah. Would you say? Oh yeah, yeah. My uh, all my stuff pretty much. Uh, most of it is fitness related. Fitness related. Fitness related. Recre- you know the row bike. Yeah, yeah. And um, and then uh, and then uh, what else do I got? Uh, yeah, well, we're going to do this list here. We're going to step in the hot room. Oh, baby. And yes, oh, it's, it's sauna time. Oh, oh, oh. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody's happy we're taking oh, a sauna man. right now. Yeah, we'll describe. I've been waiting to do this for a long time. Yeah, today, man. I know. Oh, now I know where you live. I got lost a couple of times getting here. And geez, yeah. I can't even follow my GPS. That's how. Well, that's how I think. I think I, I, I go. I, I watch it and I go backwards. I, I go the, the opposite <laughs> way. It's like, you're an you're an analog kind of guy, yeah, aren't you, Scotty? I just look at things backwards all the time. And I can tell, and I, that's what I love about you. Another reason why I love you is uh, is your you know, and I don't mean to to throw you under the bus with this one, but your um your texting is sporadic, <laughs> right? And I've called, and your voicemail has been full. And I think people that know you probably accept that, huh? Oh, I don't. I don't do that on purpose. No, I know you don't. Yeah. I know that's why you know I say it good naturedly. I mean, you use technology probably in a different way than the average bear. It's just my my guess. Yeah, I don't use it that much. I I I, I try to stay away from it at times, and uh, I'm quite happy without it. And uh, so yeah. I, I like bringing my phone along uh, only because I like to listen to my music a lot of yeah, the times. Yeah. So what's on your, uh, uh, what, what, how do you listen to music on your phone? What what program do you use? Or? Oh, I, I usually, uh, I, well, I just downloaded, uh, bought into the new Apple tunes, you yeah, know. Apple tunes. So you can stream anything you want anytime? It seems that way, yeah. I haven't really, <laughs> I haven't gotten into it completely. What, uh, so what have you, what did you listen to today, say, like on your way over? What kind of music? Uh, what were you listening well, to? Well, today uh, I really didn't listen to any music today that I can think of. Uh, and there's um, um, 
because um, when I go to the farm, and I live on a farm, I kind of like the quietness of that, and there wasn't anybody out there, so I just yeah. didn't really play any music. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I got the luxury of driving a, a Tesla, and uh, I find myself more than not, uh, more often not listening to anything, because when you drive around in a Tesla, it is so quiet yeah. that... Uh, it, I guess I, really, I just love the quietness, you know, I'm, I'm getting, the older I get, the more I'm against noise, uh, not music, so, yeah, but I really yeah. enjoy just the peace and quiet, uh, but I'm a big classical uh, music guy, I love listening to a lot of classical. Yeah, like, uh, pick, uh, tell for me, uh, tell, like, Mozart kind of stuff? Oh, or? yeah, 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 Any, anything, I don't really have a, a real big uh, playlist, I just, whatever's, mm-hmm. whatever yeah. I find on the, you know, 99.5 uh, NPR yes. has a Wonderful uh, public radio station yeah. in Minneapolis, 99.5. Yeah, I love that, and um, so, you know, but then, you know, I love, uh, you know, I saw one of my favorite uh, CDs you had laying out here, uh, the Van Morrison Hymns to Silence, you know. Yes. I play him on Sunday. He's he's kind of spiritual, so maybe on Sunday I'll play him. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so is Van Morrison your your Sunday music artist? Is that or or do you have that? Do you generally play that that genre on Sundays? Yeah, I I, I uh, if I listen to music, I'll put Van on on Sunday because he's uh, he's real spiritual. You know. Yeah, well and, said. Uh, yeah. So uh, and he's he's got so much good music, and yes. then. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, it goes on and on. You know, I'm, I've, be, I've become a big Dylan fan. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, so, but I'm, I'm open to new music uh, too. Uh, we're going to the um, down to listen to a band tomorrow night at uh, First Avenue. Mm-hmm. That's uh, going to be. Uh, I've been told it's going to be a dancing band because I love to dance. Great. So yep. I'm gonna go down there and see if I can uh, yep. shake it up a little bit. Yep, yep. And you like uh, international stuff? You like reggae? Oh yeah, yeah. You can't get enough of reggae. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that's what's been great with the internet too. I've been hearing old reggae music yes. that I've never. Eighties reggae, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it just it's it just you can't get enough of it. It's that's just it. so great. Yeah. You know, great I, I, production, great sound. Yeah. Um, just really uh, uh really crisp you know drum and bass yeah i know that's that stuff takes you it, to another place yes it does it's good sound of music too i like i like a lot of a lot of like king tubby a lot of instrumental dub uh from that era um king it, tubby you're gonna have to turn me on to him yeah we'll put on some king tubby yeah i haven't heard of him uh, yeah i'm sure you got a probably bigger a wider range of uh reggae than i do not necessarily i mean i just uh it's it's something i got exposed to you know pretty pretty deeply being in uh in in england um just immersed in it and uh but anyway, that's really neat, Scotty, about music. You know, I, I, you and I share a lot of that, a lot of that kind of thing. I mean, Van, he's, they, my brother and I call Van Morrison our, our desert artist. You know, the, like if a desert island artist. Like if you were stranded on a desert island and could only have one artist. Uh huh. Oh yeah, that's you know. your guy. Yeah, that's my guy. Oh, cool. It's hard to be because you you nailed it. I mean, he's a spiritualist. He. And, um, oh yeah, I mean every album he's put out, you know, yeah. for twenty years he put out an album like every year. Yeah, you know, super, and super fantastic. Pro- yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. even his current stuff in the late uh, '90s and stuff were just really well done. Right on, right on. So, Scotty, this is Sound of Talk, and it's so wonderful to oh, talk to you about. I'm feeling it. 
Yeah, yeah. We're sitting in the wood burning sauna, and it's the it's it's damp out, and um, this is round one. And uh, what's your you know growing up in Minnesota? What uh, if you look back? What is your first recollection of sauna for you? Oh, good question. Um, growing up, um, I can't really recall. Uh, uh, was it a big part of your family or your childhood, or was it just something you did maybe at going to cabins and kind of? That no, kind of... you know what? My dad, my dad built one in the basement uh, when I was whereabouts in high school when I St. Louis Park. Uh, my, my last year in high school, we my dad built a house out in Bloomington. Okay. And uh, and he built the damn thing all by himself. Nice. And to think that he had the time to put a sauna in. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. And uh, that became a really great spot. And uh, I, I have a lot of great memories. Now I'm coming. Now I'm going back. Yeah. To that. Sweet. Because that, now, that knowing, was really know, knowing you, I would guess some of the great memories uh, involve sauna after recreation, maybe after some you know outdoor hockey game, or maybe when you were doing some sort of recreation and then you know instead of the shower you hit the sauna right yeah you know uh, well i was a big um well before i touch on the the bandy in scandinavia now yeah. going back you got me going back now but we have a had a cabin i grew up with a cabin in grand rapids mm-hmm. minnesota and a lot of the folks up there had saunas on the lake so I remember, you know, yeah. firing up that wood stove, and then the lake was right there, right and there. and that that makes it even even yes. better, because yes. uh, I love the water. Yes. But uh, excuse yes. me to get in that sauna and then to know that you got a lake ready to right jump there. into. Yeah. So yeah. that excuse me that was really fun, and then uh, when I went to uh, Scandinavia back in the late uh, mid '80s playing bandy yeah. over there, uh, they were everywhere. Yeah, they were everywhere and, and interwoven in the culture. Um, so, and plus, you know, I mean, first of all, everybody in Scandinavia saunas, you got that going on. But everybody plus one that skates in Scandinavia saunas, it's just, it's like, you know, right there, in, yeah. interwoven. And so when you would, uh, when you would, um, have like a, a practice or even a, ma- a bandy match, would sauna be part of the uh, the post? Uh, oh yeah, sauna? yeah. I can remember a bunch of a uh, bunch of games over there where we, you know, we you know you'd hang out after the game for a while, you know, and yeah. you'd, you'd hang out with the other team. Yeah. And uh, they always had saunas in the locker rooms. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it was a great way to really uh, get to know everybody and sure. and uh, and it was, felt good, uh, you know, on the muscles after a really hard skate. Yeah. So that was really nice uh, feeling it that way. Totally, Scotty. And <clears throat> you and I met actually in in a, in a sauna. Um, I had my mobile sauna. Gosh, it's got to be a dozen years ago, maybe longer, 15. And um, we were up on a lake in Maple Grove sitting on a sauna bench. And the thing about sauna that's so awesome and that you listeners know is, you know, if you have a sauna and there's strangers like in the hot room, hey, it's perfectly cool to sit quiet for a little while and it's perfectly cool to strike up a conversation and all of a sudden uh, I struck up a conversation with this guy on the sauna bench and my mobile sauna that was part of a fundraiser a polar plunge fundraiser 
And we had a post sauna party. Remember that? Yeah, I do now. Yeah, that's when we first met, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, it was up in Maple Grove at that. What was it? I forget that lake. Uh, but there, you know. Hey, what's your name? I'm Scott. And then, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to bug you, but I really wanted to tell you my story about being in England, and and I just can imagine everybody's got their story as it relates to rollerblade, and and to connect with you after all those years when I was over there and wanted to meet you it was it was really cool you know but listen i'm not trying to put you on a pedestal we had a great time and we didn't talk shit about rollerblade that day it was a great sauna yeah no i remember that day that was a really beautiful winter day and uh, be able to jump in that lake and and uh help those guys raise i'm not sure what the fundraiser was for but uh It's, they're all, it all goes to a great cause. Yes, and it did. And you brought those penguins. Oh, the penguins, yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. My penguins. <laughs> was that a side project? That was a, that was a, uh, uh, unrelated, uh, uh, fitness product. <laughs> An unrelated fitness product. <laughs> That's the right terminology. <laughs> That's a wonderful one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, That's love- like that replacement song, uh, uh, Garbage Man, uh, where you, uh, uh, janitor, uh, gotta get this line right. It was something. It's something like uh, maintenance engineer is is a garbage man, and uh, waitress in the sky. You know, is uh-huh. is an air, airline airline stewardess. Where how many it, albums those guys put out? Geez, out of five, maybe five or six. Uh-huh. But that one was from Tim. But anyway, I love that line because it's that you you enhanced the what that was. That was that's funny. That's good. But yeah, and then we've sounded quite a bit. You you followed me around with that mobile sauna and at the oh, finish line at the, of the lope. Yeah, that was a great time over at the uh, finish line at the lope. But yeah, that's got to keep going. Well, it's great. It's great. It is keeping going. Uh, I'm on the steering committee of the 612 Sauna Society. There's an active Kickstarter campaign, Scotty, and we've raised 22000 bucks. Our oh. goal is 30000 and we're only like, you know, a quarter of the way in, we got about 25 more days. <clears throat> so I'm working with John Peterson. He's the CFO, the chief firewood officer, and really the, the main dude on, on 612 Sauna Society. And I'm collaborating with, with John on the build. And I'm, I'm real excited about it because we're going to be building the next mobile sauna, this mobile sauna for 612 Sauna Society. And we're using the chassis of an ice fish house. Uh-huh. And you know these ice fish houses. Have you ice fish? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they're, the technology on these things are amazing now with the wheels that retract. And yeah. They, so you bring, you go down to grade and stuff, and they're really well insulated. So we're going to be rolling that thing around town here as soon as uh, December 1. So that's what you're going to build, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. excellent. An 8 by 20 so a really generous space, an 8 by 10 hot room, and an 8 by 10 changing room. Oh, wow. That'll be fantastic. And we yeah. can just put it right on the lake and then just cut a hole in the ice, and there's... Boom, right there. Boom, right there. Yeah. Like instead of the fish hole, you got a little jump in pool. <laughs> that's it. That's Holy it. shit, that'll be awesome. That is going to be oh, fun. You got to give me a link to that so I can spread the word on that. Okay, we'll do. We'll do this and I'll put it in the show notes um, and uh, and appreciate that. You know, this is the rising sauna tide is lifting many boats. Um, Omar from uh, the founder of Surly is, uh, <clears throat> is, is uh, very enthusiastic on the project. Excellent. And we're going to have the sauna on, on site at the brewery, um, I believe, December, January kind of thing. I'll let you know the oh, dates. Oh, excellent. Yeah, yeah. So, so we're, we're mobilizing. I mean, what you and I experienced in that 8x12 in the day 
was, you know, call it Mobile Sauna 1.0, but now with the 612 Sauna Society and all the wonderful work that JP has done uh, in this community that, that that is being built, this cooperative that we're developing, <clears throat> thanks to John and his effort, I mean, we have a critical mass of people that are into the, the authentic sauna experience right here in Minneapolis. Oh, wow, that's going to be a great event. You'll, you'll be able to go to all kinds of different venues with that thing. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, this is really fun for me, too, because I wanted to build my own uh, mobile sauna 2.0, but I tell you, it's just tough being a lone soldier in this mission here of, of bringing saunas around to events, but now we got a team. we got a whole crew of people that are totally into it, and... Um, so I, I'm just overjoyed that this is going to happen. And, and this will be, this sauna, I envision, will be one of uh, a fleet. I mean, we're going to yeah. not stop with one, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, you, you'll, you'll, you'll be making money with that thing. Yeah, and, you'll, and you'll building awareness. What are, they, what are you going to charge uh, for if somebody wanted to have you come to the I think it's I think it's 20 bucks. Hey, do you need a shower? I want to. I want to get the. You got the garden hose out here. Yeah, it's perfect. Let, we're gonna take a break, folks, and uh, we're gonna end round one, and uh, we'll be back at you. Yeah, gotta get the hose. Yeah, you're gonna like this setup. So we, you know, me and the water. I've always, I've always preached that. You know. Me too. Well, we finished kind of like two rounds. Scotty likes uh, the back and forth. We took cold showers, and I wanted to hang outside and have a beer on the patio, but he goes, let's go back in. So we went in and hit another round. And we're talking music, right? In the background, you hear some Rod Stewart. And uh, I was going to tell you, Scotty, you know, the music streaming services, I actually like Rhapsody better than the Spotify. Um, but... I'm really excited. I'm going to try the one you're on, the uh, the Apple one, right? Apple Stream, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what I want, and you're kind of just doing it a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I haven't really figured it out completely. Okay. Okay, so I just, I want to put this on record right now. If you forget, you got to go back to Sauna Talk and listen to this because I'm going to challenge you to just do one thing. Okay, it's really simple. One, on a piece of paper, write down four albums, okay? Yeah. Two, Go over to your Apple Play and pull up those albums one at a time and put them on a playlist and call the playlist like whatever you were doing when you wrote down those four albums, like In the Barn, Welding, Skyride or whatever. Just come up with a wacky playlist name. Yeah. Then you go over to the playlist and hit Shuffle. And what you'll get is like a really nice mix, like four hours of music, maybe a little more. And what I like to do with my shuffle is, I, like you mentioned Van or Dylan, I'll pick one of those kind of albums, like call it a blue chip, like one of those. Yeah. And then you throw a left turn in there, like a reggae album is great. We were yeah. talking about some of those. Yeah. You go find like a half pint album or... You know, we talked about maybe King Tubby. You know, you want to hear that. Yeah. Anyway, just pull out a reggae album. So now yeah. you're there too. You got a blue chip and a reggae. And then maybe you're at the on the current, or you went to some show with like a new band. You know, like I don't know, like Alt J or one of these millennial bands that are traveling around. So something new, right? <clears throat> and then you know, Wild Card, something like that. Now you got like a really cool like shuffle for yeah. yourself. Oh, I love that idea because I I like when I. 
I like it. Sometimes my uh, iTunes or my uh, yeah. music starts to shuffle. I don't know how it started. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's great. I love okay. It. Yes. And it's like, and, and I look at those symbols. I'm going, is which one is shuffle? I I can't yeah. figure that out. You think by now I would have <laughs> figured that out? But no, I know, I know. Uh, they take on a life of their own, don't yeah. they? So I do like the idea of the shuffle of yeah. going through all my music. So yeah, four I, albums I, at a time. That works yeah. for me. And I do that with sauna. Like you know. So here's a here's a wonderful real example of that like if i'm like flying back from chicago and i'm sitting on the tarmac waiting around and i got like a linear path in my brain about when the flight lands and when i get home and when i'm going to step into round one like that time frame of i minimize i'm like i'm a beeliner get home get rid of my shit you know and then one of the things is i'll jump on spotify or what i'm using and i and on the plane, I've written my four albums. And I say that, I say that, I save it. I say like, Sauna After Chicago, 11 or something oh. like that. Anyway, they're really cool to go back to when you have these album shuffles. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great advice. That's great advice. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that uh, and uh, see where it takes me. Well, all right, sorry. You know how, what music does, man. It just makes you go. Yeah. You that's know, right. That's right. You Makes motivated. You know, there's certain music I like to listen to when I'm working out, and and uh, so. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm gonna look forward to that. That band tomorrow night. That'll be one of my albums that I'll put in with Van and Dylan, and yes. and um, and then a reggae album. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. So so we were taught. What else? Uh, I, I want to. Okay, I'm gonna tell you. Um, I really want to, um, I, I really like, I was really inspired when you sent me that video <clears throat> of Skyride, which will, I want you to just share a little bit, a summary of what it is for those not familiar. And then, um, and then I'll, I'll explain the video, uh, cause I thought it was great. And thanks for sending that along. So what, is, what is Skyride? Well, you know, Skyride, uh, has been a idea I had for many years, uh, maybe came up with the drawing 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine drew it up, and uh, it's basically um, a monorail fitness machine uh, with the goal of really marrying, merging, uh, marrying the uh, fitness industry to the amusement ride, and more specifically, mm-hmm. the um, more specifically the um, roller coaster. Yeah. product i want to really make borrowing borrowing from that element yeah some of the excitement yeah it, totally the, the, not not just making it fun it's what, like what you just said making it exciting yeah you know so, so you the, once again <clears throat> what you're having here are these inputs right you talk about these multiple inputs that help have influence and help create the product you know <clears throat> Yeah, so that, that uh, it, it all started out with this idea I had one time, uh, twenty some years ago, and then putting it down on paper with a you know a, a really cool drawing that a buddy of mine did in a matter of minutes. Yeah, yeah. Was that over a cocktail? Um, no, I don't think it was at that time. Uh, because it was sit down, nuts and bolts. Yeah. Do this for me. Yeah, he. We were working together that day. I can remember the day he was out at the farm. And it was a young guy that just started working with me, and I just, he loved to draw. And I, I met that. him. I met him. Because, yeah, how many years ago <clears throat> was I out at the farm there with your prototype? 
that that he was monkeying with. I mean, that's got to be at least yeah, a that was a ten. Different guy. Well, that was a different guy. Yeah. This has got to be ten years ago when I came out and saw it, wasn't it? Well, I ho- no, I hope it wasn't that long ago. Well, let's see, I can remember. <laughs> I hope it wasn't. I, I'm thinking of like maybe six. Okay. Okay. So Nate would have. Nate loved that. By the way, I texted Nate and I said, "Hey, Scott's coming over for sauna talk. He does have a question for you, by the way." Yeah, I was hoping to run into him. Yeah, yeah. He's out yeah, at a buddy's, but oh, he's but great. <laughs> no, no, no. He he made sure he clarified with me. He's all cut up on his homework. Now he's going to see his buddy, oh, good. and I think that's all right. You yeah, know, he's. He gets his work done. That's it. Totally. Yeah. Um, but the story is. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. We had a wonderful day. Uh, uh, my youngest, yeah. Nate. We had a big party out there. We had a whole bunch of people out. That's when I first really kind of yeah. unveiled the whole sky ride. Yeah. Uh, and it was fall. It was about this time of year. It was October. And I got to say, and I'm going to try to help you on a date on that because Nate came out and he must have been nine. So it was eight years ago. Call it eight years. How do you know he was nine? Maybe I don't, I'm guessing. Maybe he could have been 12. <laughs> okay. Well, in my own mind, he seemed nine. So maybe it was about six years ago. Six to eight years yeah, not ago. Not a big deal. That, uh, yeah, it, it was a long time <laughs> ago. big deal. Not important to the story no, when no. it was. But it does date the development because you said you had the idea 20, idea 20 years ago. You got some great drawings. And then, <clears throat> and I then what? Be a little farther ahead. That's why I don't yeah. like to look to think that it was that long ago. Oh, I'd right. like to. I'd like to think that we had a bunch of installs, you know, yeah. instead of just a couple, right? And one huge one. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I am very patient, and I know things, you know, take quite a while. So it's really good to be patient and maintain the focus. Yeah, and then uh, at the same time, uh, be able to turn it off. Oh, okay. So turn it off. When you say that, Scotty, would you say that like uh, would be more important to be able to turn it off in terms of like hours or days or weeks? Like when you, what is a good time amount of time when you need to turn it off? Well, I guess it's whenever you feel like you need to. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, a lot of people uh, get going and that's they just drive right through. Yeah. Which... They they keep banging the rock same amount of time every day. Yeah, and it's whatever turns you on, I guess, you know. I mean, a lot of times they're maybe pounding the pounding the pavement every day, every minute because they, you know, they got to get it done to get to get the paycheck. Well, there you go. And but I think that that uh changes then the pace in the feel of innovation. It becomes pressured. Yeah, yeah. Well, then pressure is not good for your health either. Oh, it's not good for your health. But but is it like this is the Steve Jobs thing? I mean, he applied pressure to get results. So he squeezed people, and I'm sure there was a lot of unhealthy people in the development of the iPad and all that, you know. Yeah. But that was his mode, man, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. If you went to him, can you imagine reporting to Steve Jobs and say, hey, i got to turn it off for a week. I'm going to go rock climb. <laughs> I mean, do you think he'd like that? Well, he's the boss, so I'm, I was referencing, you know, the boss, you know, the, the innovator. The innovator can turn it off. Yeah. But the guys in R&D better keep the, their feet on the, on the gas pedal. Yeah, you know they gotta they gotta take they gotta be able to get away. You can't drive your people that hard either. You know you gotta sometimes you gotta let things kind of take its own course too. But but there's you know what there's no really uh, written plan or rule on making something successful. And that's excuse me that's been my philosophy with Skyride is that I'm not gonna take it that serious. Uh, because I have with a lot of my other ideas, and, and nothing's ever come from them. Yeah. You know. So, so with Skyride, you took a different, um, you know, attitude about it. Yeah. You weren't going to rush it. No, I didn't want to rush it. I wanted to kind of do it on my 
on my time, my terms, yeah. and uh, and as I tell everybody, you know, we're just beginning, yeah. and we're letting the entrepreneurial gods, you know, give us uh, the direction. So you're <clears throat> you're welcoming um, entrepreneur input to the product. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I, uh, I, I love uh, bringing in uh, anybody that really wants to uh, help. Uh, direct it or help uh, give it the vision or help build it. So how do you balance that that with the idea uh, and you know that adage of um, you know everybody's got an idea like you know ideas are easy it's the executing that's tough here in a way you're kind of flipping it around and that you're you're looking for ideas you know ideas as it relates to this innovation you're not a because if we were at a bar right now and started talking you're going to get 50 ideas oh yeah <laughs> i mean Everybody. how do you how do you filter that like the real entrepreneur that wants to add value versus just someone that just wants to talk well you kind of filter it by um you know giving the guy uh your card maybe your number and say hey if you want to you know work on it or talk about it you know, some more, give me a holler, you know. Right. And then that's a filter right there. Yeah, that's a filter. But then again, you know, I've talked to people where it's like, okay, I want to get that guy on my yeah. team. Yeah. I want to get him motivated to, to build what he's dreaming. Okay, so in that situation, what do you do? Well, uh, and this happens quite a bit with me because I, 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 I like a lot of ideas. I like, I like the guys that can actually produce it. You know, if they got an idea... And uh, I think it can help Skyride or any of my inventions. I'll ask them, uh, well, you want to build it, you know, and I'll pay you to build it. Yeah, okay. So there's a clear understanding then uh, that, that you're not going to just free ride this guy. You want to pay him for his time. Yeah. And then you work out a, a price that you're fair on, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I like to, uh, obviously, you got to, it's got to go both ways, but more than, uh, most times, I usually let the individual tell me what they want, yeah. you know. As a starting point. Yeah. Of, yeah. And, uh, and if it's too much, then you just be honest about yeah, that. Yeah, and then, uh, then maybe i got to walk from it. Yeah. You Say know? not now, or maybe we'll talk again, or, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then uh, the other way I like to operate, too, is really, uh, you know, with my history of making things happen, um, and, and obviously not all my ideas have been money makers, but at least they've gotten to the market where a lot of guys, inventors, you know, they don't get that far. Yeah. So it's a big step in the process, isn't it? Getting yeah. it on a shelf or getting it to market, like you're saying. Getting it on the shelf is key. And then there's no guarantee at That's that right. point. Not, no, now you're in. Guarantee. No, there's never a guarantee. Now you're in a new chapter in terms of innovation right yeah about merchandising yeah and marketing yeah marketing, merchandising selling let's let's hold on that i want to go right back to that spot but i want to back up a second about about collaborating with people and stuff one elephant in the room question on that is your paint so you the guy's got an idea to advance the ball you say great uh let me pay you uh, to build it and then that's all cool and then let's say he builds something that actually moves it how do you uh, manage getting in the idea of like who owns what, you know, ideas and then making sure everybody's cool. So, you know, the, yeah. that ugly word litigation, you know, if a kid thinks he's owned something. 
Yeah, how, well, I, how I, are we doing I, that? Yeah, that's a good, very good question. I've been in, I've been in that position a handful of times, even with a lot of experience behind me. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you try to get uh, like I'll, uh, I'll just have somebody maybe spell out what what they really want to get out of the deal. Because yeah. sometimes somebody will want to invent uh, or uh, innovate and make the the idea, and they may not want money, but a piece of it. Yeah. So it's really then then we'll write up a deal and say hey okay if this thing uh, happens yeah. you'll get X percent. Do you use a lawyer or do you write your own terminology to that? Uh, we kind of I kind of do it on my own, but if some if the other person wants to get a legal yeah. uh, opinion or have a lawyer draft it up, I tell him go for it. <laughs> okay, you know? so you you seem to me to have a a, a great balance there between. You know, not rushing the process, but being very um, professional to the process of collaborating and bringing in people. Yeah, well, collaboration, I think, uh, you know, the more minds you have into an idea, you know, maybe a better chance of succeeding with the idea. So if someone wanted to come to you and thinks they have an idea to, say, advance Skyride, what would most attract you? Just I'll pay me and I'll build this or I'm really looking for a little skin in the game if I can bring this to the table. If you had to pick, which one of the two are you more comfortable with or looking for more? I guess it all depends on what uh, they want to bring in to the idea. If it, I think if it's a game changer, yeah. then and you're going to need to know that up front yeah. because that's the only way you can negotiate yeah, because I gotta know, um, you know, I gotta know what they're thinking. I haven't already done. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. <laughs> Can you? Admit? I've been there. Yeah. That's why I'm just cracking up. Yeah. You must be like Scotty. I mean, in all fairness, you you must. I can imagine you sitting behind the table and someone spewing this like massively awesome thing, and they're just like spinning their wheels like in a big way, in an enthusiastic way. Yeah. But here you are thinking to yourself this guy's talked for eight minutes and he isn't telling me anything i don't already know oh yeah i hear that a lot i mean that's got to be the worst because you're a nice guy but you don't want to tell this guy fast forward been there done that because you're waiting for the waiting for the magic yeah and and at the same time uh you got to kind of hear him out too because maybe maybe there's a little different twist to it yes very good different twist too so you know, like I've always said, you can't underestimate anybody and, and what they're doing and what their, their ideas are. But I've been in a situation where I've had an inventor uh, propose to me in a meeting that if he could make my uh, skate, I was inventing a, a new kind of a rollerblade, and he said, if I can make that thing twice as good, will you let me have half of it? And... Uh, I love, and I had put a lot of time and money into yeah. this design of yeah. this skate idea, rollerblade. Okay. Not a, not the rollerblade, but a, another br- idea of a, of a inline skate. Yeah. And uh, I thought about it, and I thought, you know, holy shit. Yeah, I'd probably go for that. Right. And uh, right. and then. Do you remember what year this was? Well, that was probably. Um, early 90s okay so the product was well advanced at that stage oh yeah and i was out of the rollerblade company at the time okay we talking switch it well it was uh switch it and then i was out of that business too because my partner my partner in that business who was a guy that invented the penile implant 
took over that business and then I was out of the skating business but I didn't want to get out of it so I came up with an other another idea okay. and that was the one idea that this guy came to me and said if I can make that thing twice as good yeah. can I have half of it right because half wasn't a lot because this was a new thing it was so a, it was a good deal in your mind as you processed the offer. I thought it was a good deal. I, it was it was it was kind of down the road, so it did change it quite a bit. So unfortunately, um, we ended up uh, getting it on the market. Uh, we put about two million bucks into the idea called uh, New Skate, and uh, uh, great skate, great concept, uh, but it bombed. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, the guy that gave me the idea actually developed it and uh, helped bring it to the market too. Sure. And uh, but he um, his uh, vision was to have it perfect. I mean, the boot had to be perfect, and it was like, you know what? It doesn't need to be perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah. we'll we'll get it better as right. we get it on the market. Oh. The concept's great. Yeah. Let's just get it out there. Yeah. Don't keep spending money to make it perfect. Yes, right, right. You know, one of the expressions I love is that, <clears throat> it's, I don't know if it's an expression, but when you, uh, like imagine in archery, you're standing there and your arrow is a hundred yards from the bullseye, right? Okay, but here's the twist, is you can only shoot the arrow halfway each time. Uh -huh. So now imagine, and this is about, you know, innovation and stuff. So imagine you're you're 100, you know, what did I say, 100 yards or 100 feet? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, so say 100 feet. So yeah, your first yeah. innovate, your first line of innovation takes you halfway there, right? And you're all pumped because you're halfway to the bullseye. The second, you know, the second thing takes you halfway there, right? But when, you, when you're trying to get perfection, after like two, three swings at the bat, the customer isn't going to see the incremental 50% as you're so close to the bullseye. And I, and I think back to what you're saying about this guy is like he wanted this perfect boot where it was good enough. You were so close to the bullseye. Yeah. Just go. Yeah, it really was. And uh, but the guy was so adamant about it that I just finally walked away thinking, yeah. do go, go ahead and do it, you know, because maybe he can do it. Yeah. You know, I had enough of it. Right on. Yeah. And, uh, and that's the danger of partnerships, though. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, and it didn't. It it didn't. Uh, I mean, we, we're we're still friends, and we've done some other ideas together. But um, I just thought he took it a little too far, and that was one of the reasons why it didn't succeed. But who knows? It may not yeah. have succeeded anyhow. Yeah, there you go. You know, so, <laughs> it was like a good that. try. We, we yeah. tried hard. We worked hard at it. Yeah. Right, and you know the thing about working hard at something like that is it's not like you put in one hundred, and if the project doesn't work, you've lost a hundred. You you only lose some of that because you've learned so much that you can apply to something else. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, hopefully, it doesn't uh, you know get you kicked out of the house and <laughs> you lose your family and. Yeah. Like, you know, you hear those horror stories. I mean, the Shark Tank culture is created, which we'll talk about if you yeah. want, you know, has created this thing like like they beating into people how great entrepreneurialism and go fight your dream and quit your job and, you know, go buy inventory and you can do it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, it's a, I think it's a toxic kind of um, message to be oh, sent. That's what they're promoting on nah, Shark Tank? No, I'm not saying that. I do, uh, I would say that that could be a byproduct of what they're promoting is this ethos of go for it, mortgage your house, da, da, da. Uh -huh. And you, you'll see some of the guests on Shark Tank that are 
upside down, you know, and their business is so cash, you know, vulnerable and they got debt and they're trying to get inventory, you know, you know, that growing, you lived a growing pain like that. I'm sure where you needed capital. Oh yeah. Always, always. Yeah. But always. Yeah. You got, you know, you got to go hard, you know, definitely it takes everything. That's what I tell everybody when they get into business with a product and an idea that, you know, it's got to take everything, mm-hmm. everything you can throw at it, you know. Yeah. And uh, that's why it's great to do it when you you know, have a couple of kids at home and right. a mortgage, you know. Yes. You got to have a lot of flexibility yes. to get something launched. Okay. Some people get lucky and maybe do it, you know. I'm sure there are guys that have been lucky and yeah. been able to do it. But <laughs> they can mo- spin the plates without dropping them. Family, yeah. parent, maybe yeah. day job, and the project. That's yeah. a very delicate dance i don't know if i've ever met one. Oh, that's a good one yeah i don't that, know if i've ever met one but i've sure met a lot of guys that you know that tell you they were at their last last dime yeah you know it's a tough spot everything. so and a lot of guys have lost everything i've met a lot of guys a lot of entrepreneurs inventors that have lost everything wow and family yeah. house oh yeah uh, a lot of people i've run into and uh um it was great ideas wow great ideas you know if i was a multi-zillionaire i probably would invest in a bunch of these ideas you know but um for some unknown reason it it didn't happen right right and and there's a lot of reasons i mean the the arm is long the list is long of how you can go from idea to you know debt to anger to break down a family you know, now you're bankrupt. I mean, it's like that that road, that road it can be quite slippery. Oh, yeah, it could. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's great to it's great to hear the stories. Um, and I'm I'm thankful that I was able to to really make it happen and and walk away with some money. Yeah. Um, so I could yeah. keep doing it. Yeah. So right. I've been very lucky that way. Um, because uh, it's it's really tough to to do it without uh without the money yeah. you know but the money's out there you know but yeah. it, that's a full-time job too when yes. you're trying to raise money for yes. projects and, it's a, and like we referenced earlier it takes the eye off the ball you know if you yeah. think you need raise to raise money to to develop a product it changes the focus it's just what you were talking about before oh yeah you could you could spend all day all night all week all month months and months raising money Oh, I've been there. And that's where a lot of the the blood in the water can be. Oh, and that's where the, the sharks are. That's yeah. where the blood is in the water. Yeah, and they show up in suits. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the black suits. <laughs> they all got to, I mean, because they got to get paid. Yeah. Well, Lawyer, finance guy. Yeah, they wore the, the suit and tie that, you know, they got the, the facade that they're like, you know, important and they know everything. And, that's it. And they, they, they don't know it. No. They may have been lucky and got some money, but they, they, they don't know it until they had to go out and do it. Amen. And their job is to make the deal more complicated. Yeah, yeah. More papers. Yeah, so I mean, that's what I've been very fortunate about yeah. with my ideas now is that I don't have to go and find these guys. Yeah. But you touched on something earlier, and I want to shed a little bit of light on, on say, the the entrepreneur at home that's just struggling to, you know, raise a family, blah, 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 that, that environment. <clears throat> the obstacle is the way, you know, and it comes back to what you said about sometimes you got to, 
or it's an important quality is is being able to shut it off. So innovation can work in an environment by necessity. The the uh, entrepreneur or whatever needs to shut it off because he's got to go change some diapers. You know, he's got obligations. And so maybe in maybe in a positive way, the these ideas need time to develop. And you know, it's when people can afford the time is when there's advancement, and then they shut it off every time else. Well, that's that's nice. That's a great scenario. But then in the back of the mind of the inventor, or the entrepreneur, let's say, is that they they know that uh, somebody might beat them to it. Oh, amen. So they feel they got, that heavy yeah. heavy breath on their shoulder. Yeah. So you got that. You got that. Always anxiety. Yeah. That oh God, I, I got to get this done because it's such a great idea. But yeah. I was fortunate enough with the rollerblade idea, which was one of my first ideas that I I, I launched. Um, was that I was always amazed that uh, the big guys didn't jump on sooner. Yeah, I hear that a million times. I mean, you read stories like that yeah. when the perspective of the innovator is so different. You see the light. I mean, you've processed this whole thing. And then you go to the marketplace, like the the guys, the gatekeepers, and they're just like numb. Yeah, they don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I I I've experienced that with the the rollerblades. Uh, you know, the companies I called on in the early days uh, were the companies that were buying into it later. Yes. You know, or developing the product later when I laid it right out in front of them. Yeah. You know, what more do you need uh, than having? You know, the NHL using them, the Edmonton Oilers endorsing them, Herbie yes. Brooks and the U.S. ski team endorsing it, and the yeah. cross-country team endorsing it. What more do you need to know that it's for real? <laughs> That's right. You know, and they all walked away from it. Right. The suits or, or the corporate people? Yeah, yeah. yeah the big corporate, uh, like Bauer, you know, yeah. talking more specifically the rollerblades, you know, and the, the big ski companies, Nordica, looked yeah. at it. Well, they paid... You know, millions, half a billion dollars to buy it from Negley. Oh, that's amazing. You know, they could but, have got it from me for next to nothing. <laughs> it just, you would have just been happy to get a job. Yeah, I would have been happy, yeah. Uh, you well, you, would have, you wouldn't have been that dumb. You would have struck some deal with some oh, skin yeah. in the game. Right? Yeah, I know. I would have got a royalty on it. And Would you have run in a suit to yeah. negotiate that? <laughs> yeah. Okay. If I had to, <laughs> you probably would have, because they would have had three or four. Oh yeah, those Italians, man, they got the suits and ties over there, boy. <laughs> so, oh, I can imagine the cappuccino and the full eight-hour negotiation. Oh, two-hour lunch. And, and the the hot chick coming in to bring coffee and tea just to get you distracted. Oh yeah, and then and then the the offices were immaculate, and then the factory marble. Yeah, and the factories were like just spotless. Yes, yes. It's like I always walked away from the shops in Italy, the factories in Italy just going, wow. Oh, that's beautiful. Man, they really overdo it there. Yeah. Well, Clint, yeah, you know, hygienics, you know, that's a neat thing. I thought maybe the German factories would be like that. I suppose they are yeah, in some way I've never too. Been but... in a German factory, but these Italian boot ski boot companies, yeah. holy cow, they were something. Yeah, cool. You know, yeah. Cool. <clears throat> was that a good time going around to those kind of businesses and yeah. you know talking at, at that level? I, I liked uh, when I was going over to Italy to uh, get boots made and stuff. Uh, yeah. It was really a cool part of Italy up yeah. in the the Alps and yeah. and uh, and they're all like in little towns and 
Yeah. Yeah, I got to see a lot um, back in the day, you know, traveling around, going up to Montreal, talking to the big guys up in Montreal. Would you get dressed up? Like, what was your wardrobe when you go to, you know, Italy or go these Montre- to Montreal? What were you wearing? Yeah, I, 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 I did get dressed up. I always like to wear maybe a nice uh, soccer top with a suit coat on or try to keep a little sporty, you know. <laughs> a little sporty, I love so, that. Something, yeah. something different, you yeah, know. Yeah, right. A tie underneath uh, this, the, uh, the jersey top and... So, but, uh, yeah, I don't have any suit and ties anymore, though. Yeah, that's great. I know. I'm with you. (laughs) I haven't worn a tie, and even to a wedding, you know, I haven't worn a tie in a dozen years, I'm thinking. How about you? Yeah, it's been a long time. Long time, yeah. But don't you have to wear one for work? No, thank God. We're a business casual. (laughs) We're a business casual culture. Uh Uh-huh. Good for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I venture out now. I'm a, I'm a big sarong guy, so I just had a custom-made sarong for dress. Oh, sarong? Tell us, tell us about sarong. What's well, it? sarong is, a, is one of the most common garments worn by people around the world. It looks, you know, people joke that, you know, I'm wearing a skirt. Mm. So it's just kind of a wraparound tall. Yeah. But nice. it's 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 yeah you know how nice it is to walk around in a towel, right. but now it's a, now it's a little more formal than a towel. Right. And, and what's the optimal sarong. sarong? What's the optimal temperature for your sarong like to be well, walking around? It depends. You know, I usually wear it in the summer because I don't like to wear anything underneath it. And uh, you're nuded up under underneath. Oh yeah. Cool. That's the beauty of it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. You don't know about a sarong? Well, no, I don't. Uh, Where do you put your phone? Well, that's why I finally had one uh, custom-made the other day because I've always got my sarong, but I've got no place for my, my phone right. or my fob for my car. Yeah. So it's always been kind of a hassle, Yeah. you know, but I still make it work because mm-hmm. I love wearing the sarong. Yeah. And I tell, you, I tell you, it takes a lot of balls to, to wear a sarong into a, into a bar. <laughs> I can imagine. That's good. Yeah. Do you get it looked at? or? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, but at the same time, it can work in your favor because okay. a lot of the gals like them. Uh-huh. It's a oh. conversation starter. Oh, oh my God! It, it, like I said, you gotta you gotta have a lot of uh, a lot of confidence to walk in <laughs> to a bar wearing a sarong. Okay, that could Try be. Sometime. Okay, we will. This is the okay, so, we're gonna do the sarong challenge here on Sauna Talk. But, the, uh, ten, we need ten people to wear a sarong into a bar and report back. Yeah. And then the top three, the top three, I'll send a nice mug kit. The, the new innovation. What do you got to throw into the mix for the top three? You got anything oh, anything got, in the got, Scott, got, Scott Olson uh, warehouse? I got some blades. I've got some penguins. Would, would you throw in uh, uh, a pair of rollerblades or a, a penguin to the Maybe prize? Maybe a penguin. <laughs> okay, a penguin. Okay, so you're penguins gonna, are hot though. Okay, they're yeah. I, they're not in production. I got some inventory. Okay, okay. Not much. Would you throw three in to the if we put a contest yeah. together? Yeah. Okay, all right. So the way the con let's let's develop the contest. The way it is is the first ten people to go into a bar in a in a sarong uh, are eligible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll I'll uh, you you keep defining the the the. Uh... All right, if there's any further rules, we'll put it on the show notes. But yeah. all right, and then the the first three, we'll send them a penguin and a nice mug kit. There you go. I'll back that. 
Okay. I'll back that. Okay. <clears throat> so, Skyride. All right. So, I, there is a place I want to go back. When you reach the marketing stage with Rollerblade, um, that had to be looking uphill at a mountain. Um, I mean, the work. Once you developed it and oh. you had the, like that scene you were telling me with the, uh, the hockey teams endorsing it and and then struggling for s the sales, like yeah. to try to connect the dots now. That marketing mountain. Yeah. That was a big one, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah but it was fun. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't really, I didn't look at it as being climbing a mountain. Uh, of course, I climb a lot of mountains. And I don't think it's that hard. But, of course, I haven't climbed the big mountains. Right. But I do climb. So it was uh, a nice hike, the yeah. marketing phase. Yeah. That, I like that part of it, too. Yeah, right on. Yeah. I like I liked the marketing. It's interesting. You learn a lot about people you learn a lot, a lot about your product yeah. and um uh you meet some great people right in the meantime amen, amen. so and you yes that's well, weird and you get to travel a bit on your terms oh yeah i got to, you know i got to meet uh springsteen i got to meet gretzky i got to meet kennedy wow. you know so i've met some really you know those are the those are the celebrities but yeah. you know i met a lot of great people that yeah you know, I, that, that aren't celebrities, but are yeah. just great people because they're doing, they're they're in a field where they're doing their art. They're exercising their their art, and they're when people are exercising their art, they're great people. They're great to be around. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's been really fun to like sauna talk. I'm having a great time <laughs> with you. I'm exercising my art. I mean, we're taking a sauna with with you. I love innovation, and you've been a mentor to me when I got to know you and go out to the farm and how uh, my now 17-year-old sees you, um, how kids, when kids come out to the farm and see what you got going, your prototypes, your sky ride, the, you know, 1.0, I don't know if you call it that, but you're, you know, it is like, ex explain how kids react to the farm, your, your farm where you live. Mm -hmm. That reminds me, I got to call back uh, a teacher tomorrow because, uh, I get a lot of calls from uh, educators that want to bring their kids out, and and uh, as much as I, I'd rather not deal with it uh, at times because I'm, I'm I just don't for uh, many reasons I have to do it because one of the things I love to do is I love to promote the whole entrepreneurial movement, yeah, and uh, the whole inventing and uh, and then the whole. You know, the culture of fitness is a big part of me and uh, what goes on at the farm. So I love promoting that. So I, I really like to, uh, once, I, once I finally get them out there, I really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I just hate to make a commitment. I know. You're cornered yeah. at that time. Yeah. And that's a big commitment. The school bus is going to show up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's, And you got to be in the right frame of mind. Yeah. And uh, so it's, um, but I need to keep doing that as much as I, I, I like to be more of a, uh, an individual and a loner as the older I get. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but, but once it starts happening, I really get into it. Yeah. And I love the kids because a lot of the kids, uh, you know, just the energy they've got. And uh, it's just fun to see what they're all, what they're made of these days. Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to create layers and stuff, but I just got to, you know, I, uh, I'm thinking that maybe there'd be like someone like a, a coordinator that could work with you. And if you're not on an up day or you're called away, the coordinator can do the tour. 
And, you know, you can step in and be there when you want to be on or when you yeah. can be on. And that way, like, like you know, you don't, then you don't have to get in the coordinating, like when these teachers call and they want in and all that. If you had someone that handled that and then they could be your buffer maybe, I don't know, yeah, just a no, thought. that's a great idea. That's, uh, in fact, the, the one teacher that um, wants to come out uh, that I haven't done a very good job of following up on, he's, he's actually pursued uh, my coworker. Yeah. And and pitch that exact same deal. That's cool. That, yeah. that he wants to be that person. He wants he wanted my coworker to just be there to the show oh, okay. the, the farm to ease you from the burden of having yeah. to do the yeah. yeah. So this is a nice guy now because he's thinking for you. Yeah. You know he's trying to find a solution that makes you comfortable. He reminds me a lot of you. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. He really uh, Clark. Um, he's uh, yeah. He he kind of looks like you too and. Uh, and uh, so, uh, but yeah, he, he's, he's got the right idea because, it, and, and that's kind of how I am too. It's like, it, I don't want to use me to promote it. I want my product to be yeah. the star, yeah. you know, anybody yeah. could sell it. Yeah. So that's how I look at the blades, how I looked at mm. it, or the, the row bike, now the sky ride yeah. is that that's, it's all about that. Yeah. You not, know, not you. You're right. Nice. So and then that's how that's how but that's how my farm is. I mean, yeah. people come out, and it, it's just such a cool place. You know, we, the wildlife and and the the barn and the ideas that are around. Yes. So it it really should be more about that. Yes, yes, and bringing the the kid element back into it. You know, seeing it through these kids' eyes. I'm talking, I don't know, pick an age, ten, twelve. Well, these kids, are, uh, this, these are high school kids coming out. Okay, 16, 17? Yeah. Yeah. And, okay, so I'll ask you this question, then. You've had kids of all ages out to the farm. What do you think is the best age for a kid to see the farm? Oh, I think um, uh, much like uh, my philosophy, it's every age. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you you answer like hockey players and answer questions. You must have been one. But yeah, we're working on defense and clogging up the neutral zone. I mean, you know, you could say five things and they all sound good. Yeah, well, I mean, if it brings a smile to your face and you can walk away feeling that yeah. uh, it really was worth it, the trip. It's any age. Yeah, because sometimes a kid might be, you know, it might be a, a young kid that you think would get a lot out of it isn't into it. Yeah, so, interesting. Yeah, Maybe he's thinking know. about a girl that didn't make the, the tour and what's yeah. she doing if she's hanging around with somebody. Yeah. Remember how, how the busy mind is at that age was so... I mean, if we could if we could just focus back then, we could have done some great things as a teenager. Oh, yeah. Any teenager, if they can just focus. Oh, yeah, that was always my goal. Uh, always thinking about never, ever desiring a, a, a female... Oh. How much let her get time, in your head like that. How much more time you'd have to invent. I would have gotten, I got good grades in college, but I probably could have gotten a second major if I left the thinking about women. and. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that's very distracting. Yeah. Very distracting, that's a good one. Okay, so we're, we've caught up. That The marketing thing, and now Skyride, do you want to... go pop in? Let's do a hot round. But hey, before we go in, let's, uh, I'm going to... Should we bring the mic in or chit chat out here? All right, bring it in. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So what I wanted to chat on is uh, is what about um, what about Skyride? And what a great introduction. I mean, as last we left Skyride, we were on a, on the point of um, 
you know, it, it taking a bit of time, taking a bit of time from like the idea stage 20 years ago, and not like this is a bad thing at all, but but it it was it's a long product development life cycle, is what you're you you're you're into. But the cool thing, and I'm I'm jumping way forward, j- jump into this chronology at any point, Scott. But you're shipping, you're shipping, yeah. you sold product. Like you said out there in the changing room, you're the kind of guy that you bring things to market, and you've done it with Skyride. Not an easy sell, <laughs> an expensive product. Yeah. I mean, the sell sales cycle, you know, you know, sales cycle from yeah. the first pitch to the here's an order. Yeah, long. That was like it's like selling an oil well or something. It's three years. It's from when you first say, "Hey, for, for, when Carnival, we're talking the Carnival Cruise." Uh, Right now, they came into the uh, farm, you know, three and a half years, maybe longer, but it was a long, long cycle. Okay, so three years ago, how many people came to the farm? Uh, I think there was about two or three people flew up from Miami, but I don't know because I wasn't, I wasn't there. I, um, I was leaving the driveway when they were coming up the driveway. No way. Where were you off to? I wanted nothing to do with the sales pitch because uh, I was not happy with the product at the time. Okay. Um, and uh, and but my guy that uh, who you've met, he convinced me that he thinks he could do a good job selling it. And it's like, uh, okay, well, tell me more. Even though I'd like to have him come in another six months. Yeah. Um, he said, no, let's do it now. So I went with it. And I said, okay, well, I want nothing to do with it. Right. Because the last thing I wanted to see is somebody ride my ride, and I, it wasn't working good. Oh, what a, what, I mean, hey, that is clever. The, yeah. You, you, I, I, I read the, I read this, uh, one interjection. So I just finished uh, this book, Ryan Holiday, Ego is the Enemy. And that book is taking me a little while to process. But what you did is you suppressed your ego on that deal. You driving out when they're driving in, I mean... You did not need to be the guy because you didn't believe it was the right thing at the time. So it's kind of like Dylan, you know, like like he, he's totally silent about this uh, award he got. He's still silent? I think so. Yeah. But sometimes silence is your best play. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it works in my favor uh, a lot of times. Uh, but that time... Um, it worked out, and and the entrepreneurial gods uh, made it work. Yeah. And uh, you know it was a prototype, yeah. and to think that Carnival, you know, would jump into bed and do a contract with us to build a production engineered product on their ship, we pulled it off. You pulled it off. That is a remarkable sale. Yeah. It it really it, it and uh, so it's been a big feather. In, in our caps, you know, everybody that's been involved in it, and, you know, particularly me, because I've been through so much to, yeah. to get it to where it's at, yeah. uh, with all the different people that have come yeah. and gone, and... Yeah, and you collected a check. We got, we definitely got paid, um, and we actually made a little bit of money. I was hoping we'd make, uh, it was about a $1.8 million uh, sale, so I was hoping to make a little bit more, but um, in the end, uh, in the end, was just a you know, a few months ago that we finally got yeah. all the payments and figured out everything, 
that uh, I was just really happy I didn't lose money. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, that's a great lesson. Yeah. And that's I'll, I'll parlay that with nice mug, you know. And um, there you go. I, there's so much that could be said about that, what Scott just said, you know. A lot of people get into this, and it's all about GP. You know, gross profit, gross profit. <clears throat> that first order is monumental. Yeah. And if you can get even on that first order, you don't tell them that this, you know, but you got to meet like halfway and you got to. Yeah. Yeah. If you're trying to make a lot of money on your first order, I, I think you got the wrong attitude. Well, that's true. Um, and luckily, I'm not motivated by the money uh, making a lot of money. I don't really want to lose a lot more money. Right. So I'm kind of motivated that way, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's all relative. It is. Um, it is. but at the same time, uh, um, it's it was a, it was a big boost for everybody involved yeah. because now, um, you know, we launched it in May on the carnival cruise ship over in, uh, Barcelona and, uh, May, June, July, August, how many months have we been on there? Like five months? Yeah. Um, and we've had 100,000 riders on it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and it's been a, the, the biggest um, hit uh, on a Carnival cruise ship. So as simple an idea as it is, having a bike ride around on a track, people are loving it. Oh, that's just so, That's just warms my, my heart that your first sale is a successful sale. And people, and this, so now the company's in a new place. Once you ship your first order and the users are happy, you're, you're in a, you're like kind of in a sweet spot. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, the idea that we're able to engineer it successfully on a ship has given us the confidence that we can engineer this track to go anywhere now. Anywhere now. Because it was a, it was a really yeah. big deal to get that thing to work on the ship. And then, um, um, and then uh, with yeah. the idea that they they're going to put in another ship, right on, uh, which was kind of the the tick uh, the, the the next mm -hmm. uh, plateau to get you know it's one thing getting one order but can you get another one? Yes, yes. And uh, but the Carnival Cruise uh, application is, is is kind of a, a, um, um, a special deal only because um and that's not the right word but uh um because it's a, a ship and people aren't paying for it yeah you okay. know the truth it, it's baked into the cake of the yeah, uh, yeah. it's an amenity amenity right and yeah. uh, so that's like health club with no admission fee you can get on the bike anytime you want yeah so that's, that's cool good, yeah it's good though that's a, it's been really good right. for us. So the, the model will, will may in fact be different if you're in an amusement park or something. That's a pay to pay to use model. Well, and that's that's a, that's a true test of yeah. a successful product. Yeah, and if the the thing can create revenue enough to pay off the fixed cost to put it on site, that's a different business model, isn't it? Totally different, and that that's that's you know how many cruise I mean, can we have a successful business with putting them on. Carnival cruise ships, well, you know, if they put one in every other year, and we make a half a million dollars on an install. Yeah, right now. I'd be happy with that. There's, that's a business. That'd be a business because we don't need a lot of guys to run yeah. it. Yeah, you know, you know, uh, um, there's a there's that music producer, um, 
he, he's done Rick Rubin you know he's got a great line he says true art divides the audience oh yeah you like that one yeah, yeah. that's a great I one I mean why do you why does this and this is I know that you knew this when you invented Skyride and that you didn't want it for everybody you knew that there's some barriers to that thing it's not like rollerblades that anybody can slap one on there's some barriers to this thing, but but it's art, you know. And then you, if you divide your audience and say, "Hey, this is a, a, a cruise ship amenity," maybe that's enough for a business. Well, we'll soon see. I mean, it, it might be enough to start the business. Yeah. Because you know who who you know we've already got uh, a, a bunch of leads from it. Yes. You know. Yeah, and I can imagine some like rich rich chic kind of guys wanting them in the at the in their estate like private sale yeah off of the high end trying it on a ship scale oh yeah well if they can if they can uh think that this thing's going to make them get uh the body that they see on tv yeah, okay they'll pay anything because it's all i thought you were going to say the girl it <laughs> <laughs> has some eye candy to the estate yeah oh no really it's a cash shape deal in the in the private for the private market oh you know it's like i'm trying to think of the best analogy well, it's, it would be no different than a pool yeah but but a pool everybody can buy this yeah. is like these oh, if, yeah. if you're fitness and you got money and you can afford this yeah it's a great workout and you're out in nature on your own private estate yeah, I mean that's a private. It's that's a, a one point whatever. Oh, I, I think and, that, that that's a market. That that's actually one of my uh, markets. I'm. I think they could uh, be yeah. a, a business. Yes, because right. the private it, private home. You um you picture like um the guys got um, um the deck that comes off their living room. Yeah, sky rides come up right to it to on the deck. Like like can you imagine that in Colorado. Yeah, well, it could be anywhere. It could be in right, right. In, in your backyard. It doesn't True. need to, it doesn't need to be a two mile long track. Yeah, it could be, you know, a two hundred foot uh, diameter. Yeah, and but and, but if you have a nice estate, like I'm thinking of my buddy who's got maybe uh, he's in up north of Spooner there, twenty five mile, twenty five acre. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that have like. 20 acres or five acres even oh yeah you, you don't know need much. think of that think yeah. of that there's a lot of people that have that kind of land and those are the people that would have the kind of coin right five, I, I mean five acres would be awesome wouldn't it well five acres be more than you need because i'm i'm a big advocate wait till you come out and try the the new ride the sky ride the carnival sky ride it's on a track that's uh, a 30 foot diameter oh, a tighter footprint oh Totally tight, and everybody everybody thinks that's the best track I've got. Oh, from a fitness perspective. Yeah, the excitement part of it. Yeah. Could, uh, how, how much more expensive would it be to have the track you're talking about? Like, what do you? Th okay, for that, how much for the home user? For, for the this? home user, they could get by for a hundred grand. No way. Yeah. All in. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, so hundred grand. Okay, how much for an extra loop, like through, like like the leisure loop? How about that? Well, can you can you? Can you uh, engineer a leisure loop off of the tight? Loop? Oh yeah, yeah. That's a change link. Okay, so a change link and a leisure loop, like around an acre yeah. of the property, like for the, you know, for a leisure ride for the maybe the, the figure yeah. figure a couple hundred bucks a foot for per, for two lanes. If you want to have two mm -hmm. lanes, hundred bucks a foot if it's one lane. So maybe an extra quarter million. Yeah. So you could have a kick-ass setup for uh, maybe three fifty. You could have a great setup for 350, and then or less than that. And then I, my, the way I pitch my stuff 
He's like, no, just start out with the, the small yes, one. Yes, and we'll build to you, the next. We can add on. Yeah, yes, when but, we prove ourselves. But two lanes, though. Yeah. Because then, then you can come out and you can invite your buddy out and you yeah. got like the Ferrari or the Tesla Fitness. Yeah, the Tesla. Got, that's a tagline. Have you yeah, thought of that one? Yeah, Tesla Fitness. Because now yeah. you got a fitness machine that's going 30 miles an hour. Wow, beautiful. It's gonna, and it's, it's silent it's, like it's, a Tesla. Yeah, it's faster than your bike. Yeah. And then you got a lane next to you, so you got your partner yeah. and you're feeding off one another. This show is brought to you by Dean's Kombucha. Fermented in specially charred oak barrels and utilizing whole fruits and herbs for flavoring, Dean's Kombucha is crisp, light, and full of probiotics, enzymes, and acids for your health and vitality. It's a great post-workout beverage and great for post-sauna. If you're in Minneapolis, you can enjoy Dean's on tap at East Lake Craft Brewery, Midtown Global Market, The Wedge Table, a Nicolet, and Quixotic Coffee in St. Paul. But here's the thing, kombucha and sauna are tied in real tight. It goes way back, generations, centuries. We're, we're here with Scott Olson, um, inventor, uh, into recreation and nature. And Scott, one of the things you're into is uh, ice boating. Ice boating. Do you own an ice boat? Oh, I think uh, I'm lucky enough to own one of the nicest ice boats made called the Knight, N-I-T-E. A Knight. It holds and, two people. Okay. So you can and, come out for a ride sometime. Right on. And what you're looking for is, is ice, no snow. Safe ice, no snow. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, you talk about this global warming thing and all that. I mean, when I first moved to Minnesota, you could bank on, and Kurt Hansen and I talk about this all the time, like the trick is Grass Lake right over here freezes quick. It's only two, three feet deep. So you can get like a late November, like four-inch ice skate in yeah. those those pond lakes, right? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. And out, out west, do you have any lakes by the farm that freeze early and you, you ever oh, lace yeah. up and go there? Definitely, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, that's what I like about my boat. It's somewhat portable. So uh, definitely, you can get, you know, two weeks in. Yeah, but the shallow lakes help, right? Oh, yeah, they definitely freeze quicker. What's one of the... Your, uh, you don't have to reveal it or whatever, but what's one of your go-to lakes that well, you, you know there's you can get good ice? Swede. Swede. Yeah, it's a really big uh, windsurfing lake. Yeah. Ice boating lake. Ice boating lake. Not windsurfing. Right. But. Um, so what's another sport? Um, uh, you call it ice, ice bo- ice boating. Yeah. What's another like sport that isn't like. That's I would say that's not a popular sport. What's another non-popular sport well, that you're one, one you're that into? I've gotten into recently has been uh, fat biking. Yes. Well, that's getting really vogue, isn't it? Well, I tell you, there's a reason for it, but yeah, there's nothing better than jumping on that bike and cruising through Theater Worth yeah. at night. Oh. Well, which could be six o'clock at night in yeah. the winter with snow. Yeah, with snow. Yeah. And you're, you're wearing that LED light, right? Oh, yeah, big light. Oh, the, the whole gear. The whole gear. Your goggles. The... Depends how cold it is, yeah. yeah. But, you know, five years ago when I'd be skiing in there, it was like, why would you want to be biking yeah. when you'd be skiing? Classic or skate? I'm in a skater. Yeah, so you'd be skating, and then you'd see this guy cruising by on a surly bike. Yeah, a fat bike. A fat bike, and you'd be like, what's up with this guy? Yeah, it was really... Uh, 
and then you start seeing more and more of them, but they got their own trail. Right. So you'll see them for a flash, and then they're yeah. gone. Yeah. They're and not on the ski trail. Yeah, they're symbiotic. Like, yeah. they work together. And by the way, we got to talk about the Lopit before it's all over with that whole theater worth thing and this, um, this capital campaign for the chalet. Oh, yeah. And they're including the mountain bikers and the fat tire bikers. And, and I credit the Lopit Foundation because it's not just skiing. As great as winter skiing is yeah. and their mission about getting kids, you know, even like, you know, like urban kids. It's a Minneapolis thing. Like, let's get them out in the winter time. Well, that's why they got a rope, tow rope out there for yeah. the kids just in tube. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. snowboard. But yeah. yeah. But it's an important thing for health and wellness. Well, it, obviously it, it's important, but at the same time, it's such an underutilized space. Yeah. When you it, think of it. Right on. But the Lopit's changing that. Yeah. And you know, in, in, in I can speak out of school. This is Sauna Talk. This is my podcast. This is my political opinion. I may make an enemy. I don't care. The deal is, is what the Lopit had to overcome is a lot of old school thinking in the park board and golf is king and i like golf and i like the fact that there's golf but people got really pissy when they're talking about you know skiing on these on the par three i mean that's what that's what the lope had to start with is even getting access to the golf in winter time yeah with snow on and nobody was playing golf nobody was playing golf and no one would give them access they had to fight that battle first yeah that doesn't surprise me yeah that doesn't surprise me but uh Thankfully, they, they stuck it out. Yeah, stuck and who it was out. that guy? Uh, well, you know John Munger. Yeah. You know John? Yeah. Yeah. Man. So he was he was he was a the, he was the, the pioneer. He was a pioneer. Yeah, number like one. you. Yeah, he, the guy, one. and he stuck it out. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't one of these guys that came in and gave it two years and gave, ran out of gas. Yeah. He stuck it out, and he's kept the high road. He's got it, the name. He's got a lot, the name. A lot of tradition there. Yeah. The Munger Trail. That's right. All right. We talked <laughs> about that. All the time. He'd be good to get out. Oh, but here's the first thing we got to do is is we're going to yeah, add to that capital. Get cap- him over now. Or right. Next. No, he's on my team. I love John. Yeah. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about Nice Mug in the Lopit in a minute. Uh-huh. Real quick, if you don't mind. Yeah, but anyway, finishing up, what about a kick-ass wood-burning sauna as part of the capital campaign for that chalet at Theater Worth? So when you're done skiing or when you're done fat tire biking, you could go in there and get a nice sweat. God, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we'll start that. No, one. <laughs> no, that, it's got to be there. We got to get uh, a Nestle, capital campaign. Nestle needs to right, fund so, that. All right, I'll give the hot cocoa. Nestle, yeah, well, there, that's there's a start, right? Yeah, no, somebody should blue chip that. Yeah. Is there a Finnish company based in here? Yeah. Okay, I love the collaborating. We need another beer for writing down a list of six things but that's a great idea yeah. how about i was thinking about Wurzbo. I, I don't know if they're still headquartered here but but that was a Ooh. sweet the uh pipe that red piping oh. that, for radiant heat well, but it doesn't matter no right? it could be you could, how about volvo but three, that's three m could do it <laughs> so we're having a sauna here with scott olson and a, just a great night here late october 2016 scott came over in his row bike with his LED lights, yelling up and down the alley, by the way. Yo, Glenn, Glenn. I thought I was in my office. I thought I heard something. I knew something was out of whack. I, I came lost. out. He was a lot. He was lost, biking up and down the alley. So we've had great sauna rounds. And Scott, just a really great time tonight. But I want to ask you just a couple. I got five quick rapid fire questions that relates to sauna. Okay. If you could have a kick ass mobile sauna and bring it anywhere in the world and take a sauna, where would you choose? 
Uh, I'd make it float and I'd have it on Lake Calhoun in the middle lake for like a week yeah. straight. And then would you invite your friends or would it be open for anybody? Anybody that wanted to paddle all the way out to yeah. the middle of the lake. Right on. Okay. Can I tell you something kind of wild? Is uh, we, I had a guest on Sauna Talk. And you know what his uh, answer to this question was? The same answer. But he says, um, he says Cedar Lake. <laughs> so there you go. Isn't that like crazy yeah. karma? Wow. Actually floating? Yeah. And, and we joked about it in that it, the filter is that you have to swim out or you take a vessel to get to it. So there's a filter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Alex Goldfarb by name. Check it out on Sauna Talk. So that was his answer, answer too. What a cool thing. Uh, so let's do, we could do that. We could put that into the uh, project that maybe we were just speaking about. Oh, we gotta get one that floats. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, we can the one do that. that the one that you're making that's portable will just yeah. roll onto a. Yeah, I was on a floating sauna with Grant out in near you. We'll go see his floating sauna. Oh, cool. Yeah, he built one and it's great. So we can do that. I love your answer. Okay. Yeah, next ma'am. one, please. Okay, next one, number two. If you could arrange a sauna session with one other person, anyone in the world, dead or alive, who would you choose? And you can say pass because I got three more. Oh, anybody I want to be with in a sauna. Oh. Dead or alive. Oh, can you go to the next one? And sure, we'll, one we'll swing back, yeah. Okay, what phase of the sauna process do you most enjoy and why? And, you know, keep in mind that this could be, well, today is an example. You knew you were going to be taking a sauna tonight. You know, we've even had that answer. Like, I love the morning of when I'm going to take a sauna and then you know but the whole sauna process like is there a moment where that you enjoy the most I enjoyed uh, thinking about it today yeah. I did think about it and uh, and then uh, I really enjoyed the ride over here and then to see you I enjoyed that very much and then I guess I like jumping in and out yeah you like the rounds I like getting in and out and yeah. uh I noticed that your and the hose was great. That was that was yeah. almost as good as you know a lake. Almost. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. We try to replicate that. You know, this is a but up it's north. Easy. It's, so you yeah. know, getting a lake if yeah. you can't get out of it comfortably, yeah. that's a pain. It too. is a pain. I know. So, and but, a lot yeah. of a lot of cabin saunas, it's a trek to get into the lake because there's setback requirements and this yeah. and that. But right outside the hot room here, it's a simple garden hose. All you got to do is go on sauna times and just search garden hose outdoor shower it's a super simple system i know a lot of listeners here that have their own saunas it's in my ebook um just a great cool down method you shower up right scotty well the only way you could beat that garden hose right now is if it was a fire hose <laughs> okay that's a great one <laughs> other than that it was pretty damn good yeah right on right on and then and then how we're drying off now yeah it's nice it isn't like because we turned, open the door. Yeah. And we're in the sauna. Yeah. And the temperature's cooling down where right. it's really comfortable, and I, I'm yeah. dry, but yeah. Yeah. I'm Scott, very Scott applied something I don't typically do. He, he tossed a shitload of water on the rocks, and we're opening the hot room door, and we've created like this Florida vibe. You know, it's quite humid, it's warm, but it's not hot. Right. And we, we got, we're able to go into the other room and back. Yeah. The room is open, so your your changing room becomes integrated to your hot room in a post sauna environment. It's especially wonderful in winter when you can you can temper it even further by cracking the door from the change room to the outside, and you can blend. 
heat, humidity, cool, fresh air. It's a virtue for living in our climate. And that's why a lot of Canadians are into sauna too. Of course, you know, you people are, it's like hockey, you know, like, you know, in your day, there was nobody from California, Arizona or whatever into hockey, right? Oh yeah, right, right. right. But There's sauna, that. it's getting popular, but the, the cold climate's good. Yeah. Anyway, were you going to say something? No, no, I'm good. Okay, okay. All right. Okay, so you're thinking about somebody. All right, and then we're going to come back to that one. And then tell us about your typical sauna routine. We kind of lived it. You know, you like little quicker rounds, back, forth, back, forth. Like, how many rounds is good for you? Uh, depends on how much time I have. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I think, uh, I mean, we've spent a lot of time in, in the sauna. This has been a long sauna, but. It's been a great session. Yeah, really cool. really, really enjoyed it. Me, me too. Yeah. And, you know, I, nice. I told Scott off very, microphone. Very nice. Yeah, man. Thank you. I told Scott off my f- microphone that, honestly, God, you know, I've been thinking about this podcast, Sauna Talk, and he was right on the top of the list, on my short list. And, you know, I've done this thing. I hope you guys are, are still with us, but, you know, I've done this thing methodically, and I brought people into the community of sauna, and, you know, Scott and I met in, in a sauna. I know he's a big appreciator of health and wellness. Um and innovative innovativeness you know like that's a common thing you know what we do a lot of people listening have built their own saunas and uh you know this diy ethos it's a it's a thing that really impressed me when i first met scott and went out to his farm i mean he's got welding material and he's you know i just love an inventor who just rolls their sleeves up and makes things and i think that's what we've done here with our saunas right you know we we've made these saunas ourselves uh, we're not afraid to, to build, to be different, and build something that, you know, is the first thing on the block. I've so, been telling you for years we got to get one of these things on pontoons. Yeah, you have. That's right. The floating sauna is a Scott Olson thought, and this does this does date back at least 15 years. Oh, it got to be on the I'd like to have mine if I was, when I build mine, but... Yeah. But, but but better yet, it does it does what you, yours is going to do. Yeah, I know. You, yeah, on the out. ice. I yeah. know. It's going to be great. And I can't wait for you guys to see this sauna that we're going to be building. It's 8 by 20. It's on a fish house chassis. Where's it being built at? We're going to build it like six blocks away at JP's in JP's driveway. Huh. The shell is being done by an ice fish house company. Right. And they're... I'd like to see the plans of that. Yeah, man. Okay. I got... I'll... I'll I got them on my computer. Do you, do you like email? Do you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the other question, Scotty, is uh, what one thing about sauna do you think is misunderstood that you'd like others to know? Oh, that maybe you might have to have one at the cabin mm-hmm. where you could just have one in your home. Yeah. Yeah. Any home. Right. Or how about this up north backyard retreat where we're hanging out in tonight? I mean, this is your cake and eat it, too. You know, I designed all this to remind me of my cabin sauna. And I borrowed all the good. And what a magical thing it is on a winter's night just to walk 12 steps out your backyard and you can have a feel like you're up north. Oh, yeah. Well, anything to get the feel. Yeah. Anything to get the feeling, just like you put music on, you know. Yeah. Whatever whatever you got to do to get to that feeling that you really makes you joyful and i love your answer because i think that is something that's misunderstood about sauna in certain places is that it is a cabin thing that's a very minnesota answer you know the the cool the interesting thing is it is getting into you know this infrared is like a real mixed sauna you know and Uh they can sell those and people put them in their chicago apartments in their living room 
and step in there a little box kind of a deal so yeah oh, so yeah. so i would say what what your your thing is is actually happening you know people are bringing sauna to other places besides cabins yeah because it, it should be uh, a weekly if not every other day every other day i'm a three time a week sauna guy yeah, i'd be interested to see what it would do to you taking one that frequently yeah well i've been doing it for 30 years if anyone wants to test me shit man yeah you look great well thanks i feel pretty good you know i, I i'll tell you I, I had meniscus tear surgery a, a month ago uh-huh and i'm just now getting back on my feet you rehabbing well you know i it was more than i bargained for the recovery i thought you know everybody makes it out to be like oh they knock you out for three four hours or three or no for 15 20 minutes you're walking the same day i'm like sign me up but anyway it's taken me a month i just got back on the bike yeah well but, just stick with the therapy yeah do nice. the therapy right on you got to be really on that yeah that's got to be on your hit list every day right on whatever right on. it may be yeah and, and it's going good but thanks good, good, yeah. Good, yeah but it's taken me longer than i thought and what a gorgeous month we've had and I was staring at it instead of doing what you were probably doing. What have you done this month besides road bike exercise? Well, you see my shoulder? Yeah, what's that I messed about? that up. So I've been out of commission for okay. a couple months. Okay. Misery loves company. I'm sorry to hear, but you're still biking. Oh, yeah. I'm back. I'm going full swing now. I'm rolling. Yeah. Roll biking. Yeah. Is it helping the shoulder at all? Well, I had just gotten... Uh, oh, yeah. I think it'll be great. But I've been, you know, I've been out blading and running and... Yeah. Well, you look good too, man. You're, but you know, you in fitness are like that's your passion, and I think it's wonderful. You know, you know, uh, you, I was going to tell you one more thing before I forgot. Is, uh, um, did you know uh, Kurt Hansen's dad, and you know all the shitty George, all the things he invented for the handicapped kids? Oh, really? Yeah, he just passed away. Like a couple of weeks ago. Oh, bummer. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah. 81, 82. Oh, yeah, but, I do. But similar to you in, in that, you know, um I remember Kirk telling me about that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Right so yeah. In, in your life, the last question is uh, taking a sauna with someone, you know, maybe like someone in your in your family or, you know, that you didn't Probably get to know. Probably an old girlfriend. Or, One of my old yeah? girlfriends that I was really turned on to and love being with i mean and revisit that yeah in a sauna definitely well G that was a question yeah, yeah it'd be okay. nice to be hot uh -huh. warm with a sexy girl okay <laughs> what a great <laughs> answer scott what better, what better girl is one that you've already been with that you, so you, you know you know everything about it ah. you know and you can just bring it in yeah. and get there right <laughs> it's a short tour Get yeah, you right into the program. Well, I, you didn't say like for uh, a week, <laughs> once, right? Well, a sauna session ain't gonna last a week. <laughs> so. Well, it could it could last a week because you could if you were like interviewing a gal to be a part of this fantasy, yeah. it, you'd have to say this is gonna be a week long thing oh, that okay. we we get okay. together like three times. Yeah, and I'll put the stove on idle because she's got to commit. Okay, that's great, Scott. And whatever comes from it. Yeah, okay. She doesn't have to. But it's your answer to the question, and there is no right answer, and I I really respect the answer, put it that way. Uh, well, listen, we're going to sign off here, and, and God, if you stayed with us for this episode of Sound Talk, uh, um, there is a bounty out there. You're, if if you uh, t wear one of those 
Sorel, what? Sarongs. Sarongs into Sarong. a bar, into a bar, take a picture and send it to me, sonatimes at gmail.com. The first, uh, you know, we're looking for 10, and the first three, you're going to get a penguin and a nice mug kit. A plastic penguin, not a live penguin. <laughs> okay. I can't give my live ones away yet. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah, all right, so Scotty's lacing up. He's got his uh, uh, neon gear and a... Uh, Rain gear, because it's raining. Yeah, and, and he's not afraid because he's on a road bike. Very stable oh, in yeah. wet conditions. Full body, man. It's the world's greatest... I'm not trying to sell you, but it really is the world's greatest fitness machine. If someone wanted one, how much are they, Scott? I don't know. I don't sell them anymore, but you right. go to roadbike.com. Right. Can you order there? Oh, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, they ship them direct. But it's if you don't buy a road bike, get into rowing and do it. You know, get it into your workout program because yeah. it's such a wonderful stretch. Yeah. It's, it's life maintenance, health uh -huh. maintenance, rowing. Right. Just and that if, movement. And road bike applies that movement into nature, on, t on the bike trails. Totally. It's a bike, a rowing machine on a bike. It's phenomenal. Rowing machine on a bike. Yeah. Scott Olson, Minneapolis. Love you guys. Thinker, inventor. Thanks, Ben. Cheers. Great to see you, Scott. Well, let's do it again, man.